like like I've said before, like the that quality of really looking at yourself and really feeling the burn of all that, that's incredibly brave, incredibly rare. Yeah. And that's like that's like the metanoia, the transformation of the heart, you know, that like feeling the the real cost and weight and and what we were talking about earlier, the humiliation. That's what really transforms and that's what actually loosens our identification with the personality structure because it's like, oh my God, like this is this is an artificial me. And mm-hmm. so like I really applaud that. Like, I can't emphasize that enough of like, yep. you know, we're talking all like, yeah, typing, da, 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 and we kind of rude about it. But it's like uh, everybody on this call is like very, like, I, I know, you know, at least I know my hormonal hosts. And, uh, you know, everybody's got a really big heart. And like what we're really interested in is people seeing what's real about themselves. <laughs> Welcome to No Small Thing, the podcast dedicated to helping you live a less certain and more curious life. I'm Scott. And I am Mace. Welcome to episode 140A, I think we're titling this. Welcome, first of all, I guess we'd say welcome to the Blitz. Welcome to the Blitz, welcome to the Blitz, welcome to the Enneagram Blitz. We had an idea back in December? November? November. We're asking questions of ourselves. <laughs> we are curious when this began for us. I mean, it probably began in November, November as we started to reach out to people, or maybe even earlier because we started having meetings. We, I would say for us personally in this podcast, yep. first of all, everybody, if you're listening for the first time, welcome. Um, first and foremost, we like, we talk about curiosity. That's the, the premise and of our beneath podcast. Beneath that is the Enneagram. So we're not an Enneagram podcast. We use the Enneagram as a tool for curiosity. Mm-hmm. And hi. we approach the Enneagram curiously. Yes. Hello and hi. Welcome. <laughs> and we are doing a planning thing. And for the last two and a half years, we've done an Enneagram episode every five episodes. And we were, we were thinking, okay, typically what we do is we interview our friends and each other mm-hmm. about their types. Mm-hmm. We're like, why don't we try to actually see if we could get some of the heavy hitters on there? These people we read in our books, mm-hmm. we, these people we listen to their podcasts, what if we reached out and said, will you be on our podcast? And when we reached out, I was thinking maybe sometime between now and the next five years. I know. We're like, if by the end of this year of 2021, we can interview Beatrice Chestnut, we will have completed all of our goals. Mm -hmm. That was like... I can die right now. (laughs) Succeeded in life. I will die happy now. (laughs) Mostly kidding. But... um, (laughs) No, truly kidding, because it's like... (laughs) Truly kidding. (laughs) There's no truth to that. (laughs) But but I guess both of us were kind of shocked when it was like, Suzanne Stabile... Beatrice Chestnut, I guess those are the two. Yeah, we're, we're willing. The folks from Big Hormone. Yeah, Ben well, Campbell, our number one. I, I I guess I would say, I don't know if this is the best intro right now, but this is an episode. This is an intro to the Blitz and to our Big Hormone episode, which mm-hmm. you're about to hear. Yes, yes. I think we have a, gosh, I, I think we have a pretty clear line to Big Hormone at this point and Ben. 
Yeah, no, it's true. So I wasn't surprised that we're connecting with them, but I was surprised that we got in touch with Beatrice and Suzanne. Same, same. Right. So essentially the premise of this blitz was what if we can see if we can talk to these experts and hear what each of them has to say about the Enneagram. We also kind of didn't really have a plan. We didn't didn't really have a plan. I think the idea was like these are two good of opportunities to pass up. So yes. why, why spread them out throughout several months? Let's, let's do it. Like Su- Suzanne was like, Suzanne's people. Yeah. Suzanne's people were like, sure. Beatrice is people. We're like, sure. Big Hormone was like, sure. And so we're like, these opportunities are coming. The new year is coming. I think there was like a new year energy for mm-hmm. us. And we we're like, let's just go all in. Yeah. And let's not, let's not like parse it out through like, several months let's go let's do it all at once and let's do it and then we just had this idea of the blitz yeah we got the name so welcome to this experiment of ours because I think we didn't really know what you're getting into and I think we thought it would be honestly I'll say speak for myself I thought it would be more casual than it was I thought it would be like oh we're going to get these interviews it's going to be wonderful and we're going to be like yes look at this incredible Enneagram content which is true but it also was kind of a journey, like going and we're not giving full reflections here, but just kind of getting you prepared for what is coming. Don't give a full reflection. Like it was our main thing. It's like we are not an Enneagram podcast. We're a curiosity podcast. So it was throughout all of these interviews. It's how do we approach what each of this person is bringing about the Enneagram with curiosity, mm-hmm. which was kind of the focus I feel like in terms of, it's less about the content. The content of the Enneagram is wonderful. I also feel like this Blitz was for us about the way we approached people and the way we approached these interviews and the way we approached the topic of getting these experts. It became like a practice in our curiosity, I would say, as we engaged in this topic in a very like particular way with all these experts heavy quotes experts, whatever that means. Hmm. That's exactly right. I think as you approach these episodes, that's how we approached them. Ultimately, if we were ever sort of getting lost or wrapped up or whatever, we just kept coming back to curiosity. Mm -hmm. This is what we do. This is what we're about. That's the theme. That's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter whether or not we're getting it right about the Enneagram or whether this group or this person or this teacher has it right. We're, we're just trying our best to listen. And it's not like this sense of like ultimate neutrality. Like I don't have an opinion on this. It's just trying to listen. And we, we, we have opinions on these things, but um, we're also trying to be curious. So that's the main thing that we're presenting through our podcast. Although these teachers and podcasters and writers are doing other things, not that they're not curious, but this is a intro, a double intro. Mm-hmm, it's an mm-hmm. intro to this episode you're about to hear, which is with the big hormone folk. And it's an intro to the Blitz. It's an intro to, intro to the whole thing. Yeah. Which I, a part of this intro, I guess, or one thing I want to say as we approach this is like this insight that I've had throughout the whole process is like, so Scott and I both have like Christian backgrounds and we come from these spaces and we've each had our own journeys with things like the Bible, that people are like, the Bible is truth, or things like the church, like Mm. the church is this truth, the church is this certain way. Mm -hmm. And I think we've both been in journeys of like, well, 
you know, there's ways you could read that this way, and there's ways you could read that text this way, or there's ways that you could think about the church this way and that way, and wow, this is like, I can talk to someone, and they seem to have an opinion that I fully agree with, and then I talk to someone else, and it's a very different opinion, but I also think I agree with it, and it's like, oh, I don't know what to make of this. Like, it, and that kind of similar thing happened is is was happening at least for me and I think for you throughout this process it was like wow we've stumbled upon this mysterious thing like the Enneagram is even more mysterious than I thought Mm -hmm. and wow how interesting as we gathered these teachers how differently they thought about it and how differently they approached us Mm -hmm. and how differently they approached their language around the Enneagram and what pieces they were focused on and what pieces they didn't care about and whether or not they were into typing or whether they were into the stances or into each piece. It was like each teacher had a flavor in which they approached the Enneagram and it's like a window into the Enneagram. So it's like we always talk about it's like we begin with a topic and we walk away feeling often like we know the topic more intimately, but also maybe it's harder to grasp Mm. at the same time. Mm And I feel like that happens so much in this, like this was like a meta experience of that where it's like, okay, I thought I had like a pigeonhole view of the Enneagram and it was clear, but now I'm like, wow, I have lots more angles for which I'm seeing the Enneagram and it's making it hard because I see different sides of it in different shades and I can't see the whole thing, but it's like, it's, these, these interviews were slightly disrupting in the sense that they made it they made the Enneagram more complex and more mysterious as we listen to these people. I, I mean, I don't want to kind of say ma- majorly disrupting in a lot of ways. Not just like, like no, well, we've been pretty wrecked. We've been we've been slightly wrecked, and it's like here we are. So okay, I mean, I don't want to I don't want to make this too long, but like this is this is getting people prepared for for five substantial episodes on the Enneagram mm-hmm. for us with this. So let's let's make it quick, but let's say two quick things. One is um, the Blitz and then Big Hormone, who you're about to hear from, which I'm very excited for you to hear from because yes. they're great. So the Blitz. I'll say something about the Blitz, then I would love to hear your thoughts on the Blitz. What you're about to hear is uh, this episode and then several episodes over the next few days that we're going to release. And this is an episode of Big Hormone, Enneagram, People, podcasters, teachers, then Beatrice Chestnut, then our friend Ben, mm-hmm. and then Suzanne Stabile, and then our final reflections. And just so you guys know, we're, we're going to talk more about this at the tail end of all this, but we're, we're pretty rattled mm-hmm. at this stage of our life and at this stage of our engagement with Enneagram. We don't know our types. <laughs> we should be clear about that. Nope. Big Hormone has caused us to question that and and the journey you'll go on is is um if you guys listen to this podcast mace had an episode not a four where mace was questioning their understanding of their type Mm -hmm. um this episode kind of ends up focusing on my type Mm -hmm. i've if you've listened to this podcast or if you're new i've I've always thought i was a five i might be a six Mm -hmm. don't know um so so they sort of pressed hard on that then we sort of went on a journey with Beatrice talking about mistyping and maybe me being a six then we talked to our friend Ben who is a six well and Beatrice thought you were a five a five yeah and then and then we talked to Ben who is a six and he kind of thinks I'm a six 
we we uh, and then and then we sort of end with Suzanne Stabile, which I think is a beautiful ending to the series because it's much more spacious and sort of wondering how no matter what type you are, how we can all learn from every type. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, we're we're going to talk more about this. But where we are at the Enneagram, based on this journey, which is a good thing. This mm-hmm. isn't like anger or like resentment or like pouting. But we're going to take a fast or a break, mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. five-week break. A break from the Enneagram. So this is a full-on engagement and then a break. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you don't have to follow us, but I think it'd be good. I think it'd be good. Yeah, we you... invite you into that. After mm-hmm. we give you all this content, we're yeah. like, all right, now take a break. We're going to take a break <laughs> because we're, we're ending thinking, at this stage, neither one of us totally know our type. Yeah. I don't know if I'm a six or a five. You don't know if you're a nine or a four or maybe a six. We're wondering, but we're kind of tired. Mm-hmm. We're both mm-hmm. a little exhausted. Yes. So yes. we're just like, this has been fun. The Blitz is good. We're excited for you to hear this stuff. And also, let's just table it for a while, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, it's, this, it's been an interesting, it's been an interesting, like, conclusion we've made. I think mm-hmm. we had no idea we'd make that conclusion. I think I assumed doing the Blitz, I'd come out of this more pumped on the Enneagram. And mm-hmm. I'm not less pumped, although maybe a little bit. Like, I'm, I started, I kind of, I kind of started the fast like a week and a half ago in a yeah. more realistic <laughs> I keep, way. I, I keep thinking like you and I have agreed to keep talking about the Enneagram until this recording. Yeah. But you're, you're obviously putting out fast vibes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really talking about the Enneagram right now, which is fine. Absolutely fine. Well, and I think that it, it's become a, a, this language is really helpful for curiosity, but you know, I think in a lot of ways, it also could be potentially limiting and mm-hmm. inhibiting some curiosity around ourselves. And um, so I think that this, I guess I'll just say a few thoughts on the Blitz. And also just naming, there was an episode five weeks ago, if you haven't listened to that, that's kind of like an intro to the Blitz. because we an intro to the Blitz. We interviewed with Big Hormone, and that was a very big episode where yeah. I came out as, in the conversation, they pretty much... You know, we talked through my type, and by the end, I was pretty convinced I'm a nine. And was like, yep, I think I'm a nine, and leaned heavy into that. And then through other conversations with other people, including Ben, who we then talked to later, it's like, I don't know if you're a nine. You know, you're giving off so much for, or I don't know if you're this. And I've been doing a lot of internal stuff, honestly, and I'm like, maybe I'm actually a six. Like, we don't these concepts and these things we're, we've been playing around with and we're curious about and we continue to be curious about and it's like we are continuing to be unsure which I think right now feels like the place we're meant to be like we're meant to be like I'm not sure maybe I just need to sit with what is it like to be unsure and not know our type and we've kind of been I feel like in some ways, like pigeonholed by the language of our types in in the way that we so quickly grasped onto them. And I feel like both of us did long journeys of finding our type previously, but it's like this blitz is only proving how complex this whole system is. And so it's like a reset of it in a lot of ways, like a reset with the way we're engaging with the Enneagram. We're excited to come back after five weeks with some fresh thoughts. I mm-hmm, think mm-hmm. our first Enneagram episode will most likely be 
checking in. Yeah, like what has this been like yeah. without the Enneagram for five weeks? And if anyone's like been with us for a long time, they know this is a big deal for us. Like we talk about the Enneagram in every episode in small ways, you know? Yeah. So it's going to be a big adjustment. Yeah, but I think for our listeners, there was a sort of reveal of you being a nine. Mm-hmm. And I think we're taking a step back and be like, the stance we're taking right now for both of us is we don't know. We don't you know, guys our want to know our type. It's got a six. It's got a five. It's Mason nine. It's Mason four. It's Mason six. We don't and know. We're just saying we're taking a break and we don't know. Yep. So, and it's okay if we don't know for a little bit. What you're about to get into, and sometimes I'm wondering if like a few big hormone folks are listening into this and they're like clicked on it because big hormone pro- promoted it and they're like, what the heck is going on with this long rambling? <laughs> we don't even know these people. Um, yeah, sorry. Welcome. Sorry. We're, we're mostly considering our listeners right now. So for our listeners, mm-hmm. if you're listening because you're ready for big hormone, I guess you could have just skipped, skipped ahead. ahead. <laughs> yeah, so it's no big deal. Um, but I, I, here comes a reintro to big hormone. First of all, I'm going to read something from um, John's website, website uh, which kind of describes what they're all about. But um, I, we keep referring to them as like the cool kids. <laughs> it, it, yeah. To a certain extent, they're bringing a refreshing energy to Enneagram conversations, which I celebrate full, full on. Like, I, I do think we need some brashness and some crassness and some less dancing around these topics. I like I like their Instagram. I like the style that they bring to these conversations. Everybody, we're not entirely sure if big hormone is correct on these things. I just, I I mostly I mostly say I'm liking the what here's how I'll say it. I'm I'm liking that they're bringing a fresh energy to this, mm-hmm. a different energy. Um yeah. Yeah. I'm sensing you want to say something about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're definitely challenging a lot of things and challenging kind of in a lot of ways, almost like the old guard of the Enneagram, mm-hmm. which is a fascinating thing. And they also are really interested in typing and have a kind of different way they see typing. Mm-hmm. Like you'll notice this in the non, not a four episode and in the episode with Scott, like that's a very large focus mm-hmm. of the episode is their, their kind of way in which they type people and they are, kind of aggressive with saying, you know, you don't, you don't know your own type mm-hmm. and you need other people to tell you what your type is, which... Or your unconscious or subconscious is, is uh, uh, not, not the best, you know, indicator. which I agree with in a, in a certain sense. I agree with. I think it's complicated. I think, I think it's very interesting. I think for me, it's like I got swept up in that and... I'm figuring out what that means that I got swept up in that. And it's definitely a, a powerful approach. I feel like it's it's one of those things that's like, as we think of like a symphony, it's like we need this instrument being played. Yeah, the big you know? hormone is a good instrument. Suzanne Stabile's also a good instrument. Yeah. Both are valid. And that's what we're, I think one of the main things we're trying to convey through this blitz. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One of the things I said earlier that I think is the main, almost the main thing what I want to say in this intro for big hormone is I think we're a curiosity podcast. And they wouldn't say it this way, but the energy I feel from Big Hormone is that they're a certainty podcast. Mm. That that they're they're approaching things with a, a certainty vibe, in my opinion. That they have it figured out and they're here to teach us and they're here to show us and they're here to correct people. And they have literally posted that on their Instagram yeah. and doubled down on it several times. So yeah. there's no... 
backpedaling or clarifying. They literally think that they have the, the truth. truth. Yeah. And, they, and they're coming out telling us. And so, like, I say, there's a time and space for that and a place for that. And I'm trying to learn from that. Other people don't approach it that way. And I do think, perhaps, for the two of us, in the long run, because of these conversations, maybe we will have landed on our actual type. Maybe I'm not a five. Maybe you're not a four. Right. And because they're bold enough and confident enough to say, to question it, to at least question it. Yeah, no, it's true. It's like, it's, this has been disruptive, but I'm not like mad for the disruption. I'm like, okay, the disruption has happened and now I have to rethink a lot of things. But they're doing something different than we are. Yes. Yes. They're saying, here's what we think and here's what we believe. And we're like, great. And we're, of course, we're going to listen to that, but that's not the ultimate mission of this podcast we're not posting anything on our instagram saying we've got the answers no no we'll we'll always question our own answers (laughs) um so we're gonna get right into it and just like i'm just now gonna read what big hormones all about from their website and uh, i mean obviously check out their instagram and stuff but uh big hormones sometimes talking about the enneagram gets a little too much like a self-help seminar lectured through a breathy voice (laughs) that's real John Lukovich, Emeka Okafor, Nancy Walter, David Gray, and many guests penetrate the guts of the Enneagram and a wide range of related topics with humor, irreverence, and a sincere curiosity, I don't know, big hormone, (laughs) (laughs) to uncover fresh insights and find new perspectives on old ideas. Find Big Hormone on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and more. And then they have this fun disclaimer. Disclaimer. This Enneagram podcast contains highly charged elements. Elements may cause unexpected states of psychological depth and trigger laughter and unconventional insight. Listener discretion is advised. And then they talk about a very and very important like necessary disclaimer. A lot of irreverence, and it's true. Like I do so much appreciate the irreverence and the humor. Mm -hmm. I do think it's needed, and I do love these people and. And yet, at the same time, I also love some of the other people we talk to. Yeah, no, it's been, this one is a fun one. It's like, first of all, it's like a, it's four people plus yeah. us. So it's like yeah. big energy in this episode. Um, I don't view them come, as ultimate truth. You know what I mean? I don't right. think you do either. No, 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 no. Well, I think that's the point of this. It's like, we don't view any of these as ultimate truth. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's all just about, like, that's all just, it's all, trying to name something that's unnameable in a way, you know? It's like, so it's all going to be just its own, it's filtered through so many filters. But this one is like a, the vibe of this one is fun and energetic and lots of them. And it's like, in the beginning, it's really just talking about the Enneagram and answering questions that listeners sent in. Mm -hmm. So that's the beginning of this. It's just all about the Enneagram and different questions and, even one of the questions that we asked, which I think will be interesting to hear the answer for folks to hear the answer is like, why do you guys think, you know, mm-hmm. why do you guys think you have the truth? Mm-hmm. Someone asked that. And that was a really fun question to invite them to engage with. And then the second half is really just like talking about Scott's type. Mm-hmm. And they were some of the first people to really engage with maybe you're not a five. Yeah. And valid. That was just, I don't know. How was that for you? Maybe we can briefly, I don't, I don't know how much more we're doing in this intro, but. This is a 20 minute <laughs> intro, but it, it's an intro of the blitz too. Yeah. Um, let's see. Let me gather myself here. I, I think it was good. I mean, I think, I think 
in this particular episode, I was on sort of a vacation home on Whidbey Island, and I was pressed for time. And uh, I think you were pressed for time, and meaning we kept it to two hours. I know we had we had a meeting to go to after. Yeah. Oh right, so it wasn't even about being at this. I was thinking, oh, was I supposed to go on a walk with my family because we were doing these evening walks? But we also had a leader meeting. Um, so maybe there was more I would have liked to explore if we would have had the time. But uh, I, I, I ultimately do think I felt grateful that they're even willing to ask the question. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, um, I think I think maybe the, the, a, a generous take I could have on Big Hormone is that like it's a little complicated to do something like this with four people. Yes. And then you add you and me and both at six people. So um, everybody's hopefully getting a thought in and a word in and a and so like to to ping pong around that is complicated. So um I don't know if it was this sort of spacious environment where I personally could just really explain who I am and mm-hmm. having said that I think it's it's a really valuable tool for for our listeners to witness mm-hmm. the questions and the responses and I do think everybody is super chill like no, no, nothing ever flares up nobody's ever defensive or sad or angry or well, no, and I feel like this was the start for you. Like, it was, like, after this, then it was, like, all of a sudden, it's, like, for the next, you know, next few weeks, it's, like, we're constantly sending back six things, five things, six things, five mm-hmm. things, paying attention. It really feel like it was opening up the the door to be curious around this number and, like, oh, what's this piece about me and what's this piece about me and trying to... it It's, like, it poked a few pieces that yep. we then like fleshed out yep. in a lot of ways. Yeah, so I think what you'll hear is by the end of this episode, I'm curious. Mm-hmm. And then we go into Beatrice and we have a, a conversation about mistyping and probably by the end of the Beatrice episode, I was leaning more five. Mm-hmm. Then we talked to Ben, who's a six, who I also really trust. And I was probably leaning more six by the end of the Ben episode. Talked to Suzanne and was like, uh, didn't really talk about my type, but kind of trusted me right off the bat aggressively at face value that I'm a five, Hmm. which also threw me off. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm kind of like, I really see myself in both. I definitely feel like I'm a head type. Mm -hmm. Um, I could see myself being a five-wing six or a six-wing five. I could also see myself being a five-wing four. Um, I'm just in a place where I'm open. So we don't know. Yep. So, so as you head into this blitz, know that like... No, no mystery gets solved yeah. here. <laughs> but, but I think that's the point. It's like, you're going to go on the journey with us. Mm-hmm. You're going to see the exploration. And I don't know, I want to reassure anybody that like listens to us and trusts us. We, we have said from the beginning that we're not experts. And we're trying to approach this authentically. We're not trying to take anybody for a ride. This mm-hmm. isn't a gimmick. I'm mm-hmm. not trying to be like... this. The, there's no like... <laughs> like catch here you know Um, we're really trying to figure out our enneagram types and trying to and maybe we already knew them all along but we're trying to be open mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and maybe you should too maybe you should make sure you just wonder about your enneagram type maybe you mistyped if you feel confident about your type feel confident like don't worry too much but like also maybe reconsider every once in a while yeah yeah we really are just kind of inviting you into this journey i mean that's what our podcast does it's Mm -hmm. like here we go and yeah, it's like it was, this has been a very formative thing that we've just done. Like, mm-hmm. incredibly formative. Mm-hmm. 
um, whatever occurred during this blitz, it shifted us both and changed yeah. the way we approach the Enneagram. You know, at the end of the day, we, we will approach Enneagram episodes profoundly differently after this experience. Yep. So welcome to it, I guess. Welcome to the Blitz. Have fun. Hope you enjoy this uh, conversation with Big Hormone. Uh, it's going to be good. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow, tomorrow with our Beatrice episode. Enjoy, everybody. behind this dog. I Sorry, thought, he wanted to be involved right now, so. I thought at first it was like a really fancy, like, microphone, like a big, giant, hairy microphone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the size of my whole room. <laughs> yeah, wow. he wanted to be involved. I'll probably kick him out soon, but hi. Hi, hi. are we going to type your dog? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Are we going to type your dog? Type the dog. Sure, he's probably a seven. Okay. Sweet. <laughs> He's absolute chaos, except for literally just right now, and that's it. Oh, he's so very, cute. Very calm and happy. and Don't let him fool you. <laughs> this is him after hours of exercise today. He was like, I must be on top of mom. I have to touch her at all times. Well, I want a dog like that. Emika was here for a second and then left. <laughs> That's kind of rude. Yeah, he he must have not liked the vibe. He was like, "Nope, I'm out. Bye." Yeah. Well, we didn't let him in, so maybe that was why. <laughs> he probably thought something was so, wrong. You know, he has no patience. So he's yeah. done. He's probably like, "Something wrong with my computer. I'm gonna restart it." Well, here comes <laughs> David. I still don't get to see you. Um, I'm just in that mode. Wow. You yeah. You're just in the lame mode. What is, what, is that, what is that mode? David. <clears throat> the mode is uh, laying down, having done nothing all day, and just... Uh, That's a good you know. <laughs> I like that. That's and, David's uh, only mode. Don't let him fool you. It's yeah. literally his only mode. It's either that or bicycle ride for four hours. Yeah. There's That's <laughs> nice. My bad. There's two modes. There's, there's two. <laughs> I'm the same Hey, David, are you in bed right now? I am, of course. Of course. <laughs> it never ends. Welcome, Emika. Hey, what up? Not much. We're glad that you guys are here. We're really excited. I'm going to do a video for a second, but I'm not going to do, you know, of course, I'm not going to do a call with the video just so you guys see what the fuck Of I course look not. Like. Heaven forbid. Of course. That's one of the things that Nancy, like, suggested that we do when we were starting the pod like we should see each other on video 
Heaven uh, forbid. I see. All these social blinds. All are doing. Yeah, but yeah, I, one no, of the we're things never we're doing video. Yeah, we never do video. Oh. One of the things we're going to get into is that social blinds are really allergic to sunlight. I I have a theory. I don't think they can be seen <laughs> I'm joking. through the camera, <laughs> and they're actually vampires. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it's funny how uh, this kind of stuff shows up on an experiential level where um, being seen on camera is such a... It's such a weird feeling on a body level, and um, it's funny how even this shows up in people doing typing videos, just like the physical compulsion to not appear on screen <laughs> Yeah, for, for social blinds. I have a strong compulsion to be seen. Yeah, that's a... Uh, yep. Social type. There types. it is. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we might get into this, and Emika, you're an eight, right? Yes, I am. Um, I, I've always considered myself social blind and listening to your guys' sexual social blind. Hello. What's you up? <laughs> your hair has gotten so much more epic than the last time I saw you, Emika, and I'm living for it. I'm glad we can see you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot right now. I haven't done anything to it since it started. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. Um... <clears throat> Yeah, I, it, we, we're probably going to get into that today, the, the sort of uh, instinctual, experiential, uh, because big thing for me as an eight is the experiential realities of how these things play out, because it's just not like descriptions, you know, on a page, yeah. like these types are real feelings and experiences in the body, um, they play out in very specific ways, and uh, that's why, that's part of, I feel like, what I'm interested in is, or what got me into the Enneagram is <clears throat> just how fucking real it is. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not enough to say that I'm social blind. That's like, it's showing up in very specific ways that you're going to run into. So these types are um, behavioral patterns that play out all the time. You're just um, doing it all the time, whether you all want the time. to or not. So. so it's like, regardless of what you identify with, your instinctual, you know, preference is, is, um, it's playing out for everyone else to see, and if, if those people can identify what they are, they can show it to you. And that's what I'm good at. I can, I can show it to you. <laughs> the, in case you ever need, watch me. In case you ever need a physical depiction of what self-pres is, I had to put on my sweatpants before this call. Mm -hmm. All the all the drinks. I got my Lacroix. Lacroix. <laughs> <laughs> See, I also have a notebook just in case. I literally never take notes, but yeah. All so I, I thought I, I've always thought I was social blind, but I well, don't think I mind being seen on camera. Although I yeah, it, love it, I love it. Yeah, it's uh, here comes John. It's one of the things that um, I was running into. I don't know if you guys are aware, listening to the podcast that. My the way that I got into the Enneagram or what got me into the Enneagram was typing or this idea that, you know, these types weren't just descriptions, but they were manifesting in real people. And if you could walk into a room and if you knew what this type structure was, you could see it in this person. And so at some point I got pretty good at being able to see how this was playing out for the types. You can feel what a gut type feels like. You can feel what a head type feels like, you know, image yes, type. Yes, David! They have certain, like, uh, 
very, uh, certain behavioral patterns play out depending on the center, depending on reactive type, and all these different things. And so we had a harder time doing that for the instincts because yeah. uh, anytime you start, like with the type, you can sort of catch people as they're talking because they can, everyone sort of spills their type perspective in multiple different ways. And it was interesting listening to the last podcast with Mace, um, how during the call, as you guys were talking, she was doing the nine thing of sort of like, well, I kind of see myself in that, and I kind of see myself in that over there. I know. Um, so once you know what these things are, you can sort of identify them. But with the instincts, you can't talk about them. Mm-hmm. The instincts are pre-verbal, and even people who know who are accurately typed, they start talking about their instincts, and all, kind of, all kinds of goofy shit start coming out of their mouth. And so uh, we had to, I wanted to figure out a way to photograph instincts as they were happening. And that's over the years, David and I sort of uh, stumbled on this discovery, what we're now calling the collage exercise, which is a, a way that we figured out that every sort of micro decision you're making is colored by your instincts. And if you make something like a collage, that there is a distinct style that your instinctual stacking is going to display. And at first it was like, well, this which might just be arbitrary, but as we started to get hundreds of collages, we started to see that, oh no, like everyone who makes a collage is split up into these six ways that correspond to these six stackings. There's a real, there, there really are like six specific languages of the stackings and you see it in aesthetics. It's amazing. Yeah. So it, it's profound in, in the implications. Like at this point, I don't, I, I realize, I think the, the takeaway from that whole experience, it was like a couple of years starting in 2016 where all I did was uh, try to refine this stuff is that to help me understand that instincts are pre-verbal decisions that are happening unconsciously moment to moment and color everything you do, every decision you make, what feels right on a physical level. So this thing that we're talking about with social blinds, feeling uncomfortable on camera or being seen, it's the opposite for social where you see people really featuring faces uh, and facial expressions because the face is how we communicate and connect with other people. Uh, and right. on the opposite with social blind, you don't have that sort of a need for face-to-face or reading people. Mm-hmm. And so it shows up aesthetically. And so it's just really been eye-opening to see how instincts can play out on an experiential level that it's not just, oh, I'm social blind. It's like, it's a real thing. It feels different to be blind at each instinct in a very violently different way. It's not subtle. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Scott, like, I mean, our impression of you is that you're not social last. That you're, in fact, social first. (laughs) I know, that's really tricky. I mean, I... It, it, uh, it could be. It could be. Well, uh, yeah. For example, um, just, just to take, because you don't need to make a collage. Everything you do is a collage. Um, your whole life is a collage. Your whole life is a collage. <laughs> so the, the way that you structure your Instagram is a collage. Right. Because, yeah. you know, it's like, what do you, why, why do you make a post? Why does any, what, what, what's the point of this post? Why, what are you trying to do with this post? Um, and so there's a way, okay, you can go to, David's Instagram account or John's Instagram account. <laughs> yeah, or my Instagram. One picture of David on his Instagram. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and that Instagram says it right there. doesn't exist. Right. And so there you go. There's faces, right? So I'm doing one face and everything else is not me. 
right? So that's super non-social, right? Yeah. Or just as a, lots of selfies on mine. What's that? Yeah. Lots of lots of selfies on my Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> right. There you go. <laughs> or just like, you know, just visiting someone's Instagram page and just getting a sense of how does it feel? Yeah. What what do does I feel? Does it have feel? a structure? You know, mm-hmm. like in terms of uh, sometimes with social blinds, and I've re- come to recognize this in myself, is that there is a sense of really being packed into a, a, a corner, like suffocate, self-suffocation where it's like this person isn't really coming up for air and things, even in like writing it shows up, where things are packed in too close together. So if you go to my Instagram, right. there's there's really not much air, the feeling of, you know, there's not, like when you go to your Instagram profile, there is a sense of, you've got a much more global viewpoint, like you're pulling in like contextual things, you know, on, on maybe religion and, and different groups that you're part of or or and causes that you care about and things like that. And not to say that I don't care about those things on some level, <laughs> but I'm not going to put that in. I'm, I'm just, it doesn't, um, the, the impression is that I'm definitely minimizing that aspect of life. And um, even on like on just a visual level on <clears throat> Scott's Instagram. Uh, like, Scott, you're, you've been, <laughs> I just you have been analyzed. <laughs> <laughs> I've got you. I've got your number. Um, it, like all, on the right of the past like five rows, it's like all like, you know, colors with, um, I don't know, like you quotes know, almost. Yeah, quotes. And then there's pictures on the left and that's very like structured. Mm-hmm. And that's, it's just, I don't know. I always see social as having like a structure. Like if you look at my SPSO Instagram, it's very like, <laughs> like all over the place because SO isn't my first. If yeah. I had my, if it would be much more like um, palatable if social was the first for me. I, I just think in general, we, we stay in contact with you guys because you're so easy to talk to. Um, which we'll, really we'll just jump right in. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, yeah. we will. <laughs> We're very obnoxious. Yeah. It's already yeah. happened. Sorry. We started recording <laughs> from the start. That's fine. That's what we I, I, I listened to the last call, and I, I felt like my comrades were not obnoxious enough, so I'm here to make up for <laughs> their appearance last they week. They definitely weren't. They were very polite. <laughs> you guys were so tender normal. with me. I appreciated it. Oh, God. If I was on that it was call, it would have been cute. different. <laughs> we weren't uh, pretending to be decent people. Yeah. <laughs> But you pulled it off for an hour and a half. I was like, tell her she's a she's not a four for fuck's sake. <laughs> God damn it, why are we here? <laughs> um some people think uh online, some people think Emika is a six. And so, you know That's uh, funny. his whole style is really not super ego. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. well I was I gonna can't, I can we could just let us talk, which would be fun. Yeah, but we Mason and I just touched base right before the conversation and thought we could break it up into three parts. Okay. But also, we're we're definitely willing to just accommodate anything because I could just let the conversation keep going and that would be wonderful. Um, what what three parts do you, were you interested in? The first part was more an, like another round of your journey of coming together and your approach to the enneagram. Okay. Um. So I don't know if that sounds interesting to you guys. Uh, I, I mean, I, we, we were just wanting to follow our natural curiosity, and that's something yeah, yeah. we need to be in. Um, the other one was we asked on our stories questions people had, and this might be kind of fun, but like, and, and it, I guess these two things. Any juicy ones? Yeah, like well, anything. There were some <laughs> ones. 
One, one was that I think one of my favorite memes so far was that Darth Vader meme where it's like, yes, you think you are the best at typing or whatever. All these, yes. like, uh, where where do you where do you all get your confidence from in terms of your? Oh, that's easy. This <laughs> massive dick. This massive dick. Big dick. Where do we get our confidence from in terms of material? Yeah. 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 yeah we can cover that. We can we we can get into yeah. that. And we probably um, should you know, cover a little bit about ourselves. A little bit. Um, so say what? Those two things can kind of merge a little bit, like your story yes. and your approach. And, but then if you guys were willing, um, like, I, honestly, it would be really fun for you guys to, we were already sort of getting into it, but like helping mm-hmm. me figure out my try fix. Okay. Um, so if we, if we want to do that towards the end for like 30 minutes, uh, Mace and I have a leader meeting at five Pacific time. Okay. So is that, is that two hours? Yeah. Two hours. Yeah. An hour and 45. Yeah. Yeah. Math, David. Come on. <laughs> um, we can get into like where we get our confidence for typing. Uh, yeah. Let's I, just I go right into it. So, like I said, my introduction to the Enneagram for myself, I mean, I discovered this thing, and I think my first introduction was like, oh, people could type people in real life. Like, as, a, you know, as this person was walking down the street, it's like, that's a six. And I was like, what? Um, I think it's something, it was something that I was always interested in my whole life, is just sort of sizing people up and noticing, you know, like, what is it about this person, what kind of personality or whatever they might have. And so discovering that the Enneagram wasn't just like a a quiz online that you took, that there was a real psychological structure behind each type was extremely intriguing to me. And so that became a quest that lasted for years, I mean, I guess even still of trying to, I wanted to be able to type somebody within seconds. And I knew that it was possible because, you know, I, I at least could. You wanted the power to just fuck them over? Instantly. I mean, it, it's just, it was just like knowing that you could walk into a room and know that someone is an eight or a nine or a six within seconds to minutes seemed like the hugest superpower. And it was within my grasp. I, I already experienced it with certain types with my own type. I could see that you know certain types had certain energies, and I felt like if I got good at this, then you know I'd be the king of the world. <laughs> but uh, so this became um, a practice that lasted. I mean, I'm talking about like weekends, months, years of nothing. I did nothing but you know watch videos and work through typings, and of course correct those typings. And it wasn't until I met David, because I mean I'm just still discovering the enneagram. And I didn't, I didn't realize that no one else is obsessed about this. Actually, no one else is good at this. Mm. Until I met, like, at some point you start trying to do something, try to get better at something, you start to recognize who else is good at this. You know, who else is trying to be good at this? Um, because you start to learn from your mistakes and your skill level keeps going up, up, up. And eventually you look around, you realize, like, there's no one else close. And David was the only person that I, I recognized online who was making... Um, discoveries through typing like making realizations like if you can recognize that hitler is an eight where everyone else on the planet is all over the map about his type then you know something about not only the type structure but being able to recognize and that's one of the distinctions i wanted to make is that you can know the enneagram extremely well you can be an enneagram master but your ability to recognize it as it's happening in real life it's a completely different skill set, and it's something you have to practice. 
Mm. And so I recognized that David was the only one or one of the few people that I felt like had uh, a really, probably the best, if I've ever seen, of understanding of how to pinpoint types as they were happening. There were just a couple of legendary typings that um, he ha was the only one to pick up on, like David Lynch being a nine instead of a five, which everyone else thought, uh, or well, Einstein. I, I actually am really still kind of pissed off about that, because I thought <laughs> David Lynch was in my, on my, in my team. Yeah. David will take everything from you. <laughs> yes, that's the plan. Yeah, he really or, the nines have <laughs> The Nines have a good team. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they fucking do. Yeah, and, but uh, no team. That's one of the things is like, yeah, that's that so much of what belongs in nine is like given other types because people don't understand nine. Mm -hmm. yep. Another big one was Einstein being a nine because, I mean, the people put Einstein in the five camp. And to land on that discovery, you have to really understand some core principles about the difference between five and nine, how it's impossible for Einstein to be a five based on well, this. And also, also just getting over like the one-on-one -on -one associations that we have of like, if you're smart, you must be yeah. five, you know, exactly. or like, you know, if whatever, you know, it's like that there's a lot of um, nuance. Mm -hmm. yep. So this is kind of a weird method to learning Enneagram, but I think it's just as valid for me being a, a body type because it's, it's making distinctions and making refining your ability to recognize a type. But what happens as a result is that you get very, very clear as to what makes a type a type in that makes it different from other types. Uh, and so that's how I learned the Enneagram. Because it's if, if you can discover, so David Lynch is not a five. Why? And that sort of discussion to get into looking into someone, studying someone and saying, well, because he has this perspective, it's because he thinks ideas happen in dreams and because he you know is building this sort of dream state where nothing means and you know just you start to get really specific about each type structure but you're doing it through experience mm -hmm. and so um i think i realized at some point that typing is frowned upon people think you know typing is something that you're just going to discover on your own like the practice of typing is something that people don't really uh work on uh, so it's one of the things that sets us apart and it's been really controversial with any grammar, the work that we've done is that we have the core thing that we do is that accurate typing is the most important gateway to getting started in this thing. If you think that you're a five or you know a sexual type and you're not, and you're trying to work on this stuff, you're not doing anything. <laughs> so you have to address, you know, like to get everyone to the, at the point where question your first assumption, your second assumption, your third assumption, about what you think your type is, uh, you know, get some second opinions, get experts, like really make sure that you get this thing right because you're not doing shit if you got your type wrong. So why do we think we're the best? It's like, I don't think there's anyone on the planet who's worked on this half as much as I have. Mm. Um, has, who's, it's a skill set, just like anything else. And I've spent, yeah, over a decade working on this specific, like at this point, I type like I'm breathing. And if you haven't worked on something, if you haven't made up your mind that you're going to get really good at something, then how can you be good at it? Um, but I, I'm not a social type, so I don't necessarily have courses talking about typing. And I don't really care because it's I've, I got what I wanted out of it. I have the skill set and the services available for people who need it. But um, it's something that you get good at if you try to get good at it. Well, I, I would answer it slightly different because, like, you know, Emika is an eight. He's got a very eight-ish approach to Enneagram as understanding type. And 
you know, like I think typing is important, but I'm not as big on it as, as you know, like Emika is. I think that, like, I'm pretty, I'm not always confident in typing other people. Um, and what I, what I am confident in is understanding the interior structure of the types. Mm. Um, because, like, my background is inner work, right? And, like, uh, like I'm, 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 if I can't see the type, any type operating in my own awareness, you know, like my own, the, my own pride, my own gluttony, all that kind of stuff, um, I'm not willing to uh, take somebody else's word for how the type operates and what actually occludes your awareness versus what makes uh, the psychological structures more transparent. And so uh, I also feel like, you know, uh, that at least speaking for myself, like I draw a lot on ex external but complementary systems, whether it's like the actual practice of the Gurdjieff work or the understanding of the Gurdjieff work or like the diamond approach or mm -hmm. um, union stuff or whatever, that there's, uh, that it's not just like, like with instincts, for example, one of the big problems that happens is that uh, people continually refer to prior Enneagram authors uh, who established something earlier about the instincts, but it's sort of like if they made a mistake and you're referencing the mistake, uh, you're just, you know, just a Ouroboros, you know, there's no, you're just eating your own tail. And so like, uh, you know, like looking at, like, even though as a lay person, like looking at biology and like looking at like object relations or other kind of things that are apart from the Enneagram that have to have validity, you know, or just in just the work at the center. So from that point of view, like, I don't always think I'm right, but I think that I'm very curious. And I think that my curiosity has led uh, some good places, whereas if, like, I'm not really interested in what other people have, what other Enneagram teachers have said or what's come before, because I feel like a lot of that is just built on people doing their best, you know what I'm saying? And so like, mm -hmm. we're just doing our best too. Um, but we're all, you know, like I'm also, I think none of us uh, feel much need to put on a show of humility, um, you know, and I don't think to say that like we are not, we don't have humility of our own, at least like I think the humility is like a practice and I think it's important and blah, 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 has its role and stuff. But at the same time, uh, I don't think any of us feel the compulsion to be like, everything's valid or that's where you are on your journey. Like there's a lot doing that already. And, yeah. um, you know, I think a little bit of push because people get very touchy about is my personal journey. It's like, that's fine. You have your journey, but like, make sure that you're the thing you're referencing for your journey, uh, is, is accurate, that it's actually yeah. a tool to see versus a tool to hide something from yourself. And I feel like the, that's what the personality does is appropriate things to hide for it's from itself. And so like, what's actually like, what are the, the realizations that are actually going to make you see something and, and, you know, become more actually conscious. And that's one thing people are doing is they're, typing as a type other than the real type so that they're, the personality is continuing to hide from itself. Me. Right? That's one of the ways <laughs> personality hides. Yeah, and it's like, uh, it's, it's normal and natural and nobody should be hard on themselves for it, but just to know. Yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate it. It's very refreshing. I think that's my general experience in life is erring on the side of approaching things and these types of conversations the way you guys do. And, and most people in my life are sort of slapping me on the wrist and being like, be nicer. You know, don't, don't say it like that. That was harsh. Like everybody's on their journey to be kinder. Like that was, 
give them a give them the benefit of the doubt. You don't know. And I'm just like, okay, I'm constantly trying to just be like a little gentler, a little kinder, a little. So there's definitely been like permission to be a little bit more harsh watching you guys on Instagram. <laughs> the podcast. I, like, I like that. <laughs> I also think if people are like down to do the work, then they yeah. aren't asking, they aren't the ones asking you to be kinder. Like mm-hmm. Mace, mm-hmm. she's like, yeah. d- they want to do the work. So they were asking us to type them. Yep. So the people who are saying, please be nicer, aren't the people who are actually wanting to do the work. So I don't really care about them because I'm like, you're not the, you're not the one I'm here to help. <laughs> yeah. 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 And the Enneagram doesn't, like if you're using it correctly, doesn't make you feel good about yourself. This is not. Oh, it makes you feel horrible. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. It's this is not supposed to, you know, boost you up in any way. Like you. you have to, and sometimes make people make a show of when I when I read a type four description I cried tears I'm like I cried it's tears like, it's such performative like um you know I was affected bullshit but it's it, to be really affected when you discover your type structure and to see how you've been doing it all the time um, and how it gets in your own way is so um, it's it's uh. Yeah, it's a very kind of silent, like, oh, shit. You know? Yeah, I mean, like, like really having that thing that the person is performing right there, if you really got blown away by realizing your type, you probably wouldn't even post about it or talk nope. about it in, in that way, right? Because it's it'd be so, you know, just so overwhelming almost that you're, you know, you're just not going to go around putting that into all these Enneagram groups. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Like when you, when you typed me, David, I didn't want anyone to know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was well, like, you typed me and I was just like, okay, I'm done with this conversation. I'll call you back in five days. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've, yeah. this well, past month. Nancy? Oh, what were you going to say? I said, what's your type again, Nancy? A three. Three, right. Three, six, nine, three, wing, four, self It's all there in your opening credits. I should have it memorized. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say it's this. Not worth memorizing. This past <laughs> month has been like a living hell <laughs> since yeah. I've realized I'm a nine. Which it should be. Yeah, tell us about it. Tell us about it. Well, Scott, yeah. uh, Scott's witnessed this. I'm just like, I mean, so embarrassed. Just like aggressive feelings of embarrassment. And then <laughs> just like, I've gone through ups and downs. Um, but I would say like two days after, three days after, we had a, a night where we just went on a walk and I just was like, I, I think I've just been, I don't know who the fuck I am at all anymore. Um, and I think also realizing this, like, reality of the fact that I've, like, put on the four personality as a way of coping mm-hmm. and just spent the past four years avoiding my actual type through thinking I was a four. I'm just, like, so lost. And I think I can testify. I've, like, posted a bit about being a nine, but I've, like, also said, like, I almost think I need to take a break from the Enneagram in some sense because it's just it's, really overwhelming to it's actually... It's overwhelming. It's a real experience, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful, Mace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really, I mean, I, well, let, me, let me just say real quick, like, like I've said before, like, the, that quality of really looking at yourself and really feeling the burn of all that, that's incredibly brave, incredibly rare, yeah. and that's, like that's like the metanoia, the transformation of the heart, you know, that like feeling the, the real cost and weight and, and what we were talking about earlier, the humiliation, 
that's what really transforms and that's what actually loosens our identification with the personality structure because it's like oh my god like this is this is an artificial me and mm -hmm. so like I really applaud that like I can't emphasize that enough of like yeah. you know we're talking all like yeah typing blah, 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 and we kind of rude about it but it's like uh, everybody on this call is like very like I, I know you know at least I know my hormonal hosts and uh, you know everybody's got a really big heart and like what we're really interested in is people seeing what's real about themselves and mm -hmm. so you know that that kind of like think about how much the average person energy the average person spends to avoid seeing themselves it's most of their lives yeah and so to have the kind of the, the kind of quality that you're having is deeply courageous and it's also important to emphasize that you know one of the it, it, to me, at least, it brings up some of the biases that are out there in the Enneagram world where, you know, maybe like a nine gets trivialized in the descriptions and teachings as not having really deep, profound feelings and, and profound suffering and whatever. Uh, you know, and so that's one of the things that I hope that, uh, like, even though we use a lot of humor or whatever, but a lot of what our style is hopefully is like showing how kind of dumb all of our types are, but also like how uh, three-dimensional and human they all are. And it's not just like fives are smart, nines are lazy, and fours are <laughs> crying and whatever. And it's, there's, there's, a, there's a humanness that gets really lost. And I think that the kind of, a little bit of pushiness in some of our delivery styles, like to kind of get at that. But, you know, it's like, like what you're experiencing is, it's, it's, it's enormous. And it's like, that's the work you know, that's really the work. And that's like a really tough place to get to. It takes a lot of preparation and a lot of self-studying and, and a lot of willingness. Yeah. yeah. And I think also, I think an interesting piece is having been removed from the nine type descriptions, thinking I was a four and reading them. I feel like I've also been in a place where I can judge the nine because I wasn't a nine. And mm. all of a sudden, mm -hmm realizing yep. oh shit that's me this thing that i like honestly probably passed the most judgment on nines like <laughs> yeah these, <laughs> yeah that's how it these usually sloth, is like the lazy people who don't know who they are and then i'm like oh shit that's that's me and that's why i've been so resistant to that also yep. i think that my mom's probably a nine and i don't know how <laughs> to cope with this <laughs> Totally. realization and like she texted me and was like so you're a nine and I'm like can't respond can't even <laughs> go there in discussing that like maybe in a year or two <laughs> I, I think if we're really seeing our type no matter what our type is there is that sense of like oh my god like like type like I'm a four right and like four online gets glamorized a lot but it's like god damn it when you see fourness in action in myself or other people like you're just like like, oh, my God, like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I definitely judged the fuck out of three before I knew it was a three. And it's awful. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> and I could get bounced off by accident. What were, what were some of the features you were judgmental of, Nancy? Um, just FYI, Amica's having internet issues, but yeah. he should oh. be back on in a second. Um, <clears throat> well, uh, I think mostly was the three not knowing what the fuck they like. Hmm. Little did I know I'm a Bermuda three who has literally no idea what I'm thinking of moment to moment. Because it's all made up. <laughs> it's all based on what's going on around me, and it's just wonderful. It sounds hard. It's awful. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> um, I think one of the things that you guys posted recently, 
I mean, I think I've already hinted at this, but I find, I do find your Instagram so refreshing. Um, <laughs> but, um, John, you were so proud of yourself there. <laughs> is that, is, who is that? Is it, is it, you guys all share it or who does it? Uh, it's mostly me and a little bit Emika. Yeah, um, I feel like it has John and Emika energy. That's yeah, and you'll you can tell stylistically like the like who what kind of fonts we use or whatever like yeah. all that kind of shit. But yeah, Emika and I are usually the. I think one of the things that um, again I've sort of gotten and Mace, this isn't this isn't you. This is most people, most people in my life that want to talk to me about the Enneagram. Um, I, I guess in our early journey, I was getting sort of excited maybe three years ago about this. I actually heard Richard Rohr talk about how he could do that, like type someone at a distance walking down the street. And I thought that was so cool. So I was getting really into trying to do that. You know, like, I'm going to try to type these people. And a lot of people were just saying that's immoral, that's inappropriate, that's wrong, that's arrogant, that's harmful. And, uh, and, and the big thing was like, it's not about behavior, it's about motivation, you know. And so I was like, okay. So I tried to really develop that mantra of like, it's not about behavior, it's about motivation. Although I didn't quite buy it. I was like, you know, you should be able to see it unless somebody's become like a, a master hider of all of their types. Right, right. So like you posted that the other day, sort of confronting that mindset of... You can't hide, you can't, you can't hide, hide type. Right, right, right. No. Um, uh, yeah. Okay, sorry, go ahead. I didn't interrupt. No, you. I was just going to, I wanted to hear you guys talk about that a little bit. Am, am so, I on a delay? A little bit. Maybe. Just your video, maybe? Turn off I don't your video. see your video. <laughs> My internet's so slow. Um, yeah, one of the one of the refrains or whatever that I hear over and over is Enneagram's not motivate, is motivation, not behavior. And like, I find there's a lot of problems with that because. I mean, it's not behavior. It's a psychological structure, but motivation shows up in behavior. There's a link. Mm -hmm. Part of the problem is that when we hear something like this type is sensitive or this type is assertive, that's such a vague term that we're like, oh, they have assertive behavior. They must be an eight. And anything you can say about one type, you can say about two other types because the Enneagram is a triadic structure. So, you know, like you could say, oh, fours are sensitive. And so a lot of people who are sensitive think they're fours, but there's sensitive types of every type. You know, sensitive mm -hmm. people of every type. So, uh, you know, that part of the problem is that motivation is not a great term for it because, first of all, the motivation that the Enneagram is describing is unconscious. Like, we're, we're unconscious of our own motivation. Secondly, uh, it's not quite just a motivation. Like, it's a structure, it's a pattern, it's a whole psychological the dynamic. Compulsion. Compulsion mm -hmm. with its own repertoire of, of familiar emotions and thoughts and reactions. And then uh, it often is used, it's motivation, not behavior, is used to be like, oh, you know, I'm a... Um, a sunny four. <laughs> yeah, I'm a sunny four. Or like all these kind of like very weird convoluted things. It's basically saying that like, I don't fit the template of the type. Uh, I'm in, sorry? I'm the counter type. I'm the counter type, oh, yeah. which I don't, there's no counter types, by the way. But... Uh, you know, I'm the exception to how this type ought to be expressed. And some of that is because we don't have, like, certain types in our culture are overrepresented and some are underrepresented, so we don't have, like, familiar archetype for templates to draw from. Um, so, like, yeah, anyway. But, but yeah, it's like, it, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a problem where uh, you can type 
people based on their vibe and appearance to a certain degree. And you have to allow that that's not the whole story. And you <laughs> might be reading something or interpreting something that's inaccurate or it's your own filter. And that's like what Emeka was speaking to earlier about the process of learning to type is a process of like, what are my biases? Yeah. What are my filters? I'm a, Emeka yeah. is, a, is a body type. He, he talks all the time about how he registers people on a physical level. I'm a heart type. I register people in an emotional level all the time. And I have a hard time with the body getting into the body gestalt, right? And so that's my filter. And there's a lot to that. And there's, then there's my biases about what, and it's taken a long time. Like I, I, I heard early on about, well, I don't know, just as another nine examples, like some nines are fucking aggressive. Right. They're fucking body types. They're grumpy, yeah. aggressive, you know, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> bears, right? And like, yeah. So if you hear, oh, nine is a is a is not an has is not assertive or not not aggressive or anything, then you've just deleted all these aggressive nines, right? And so like, how is ag- aggression and nine is linked? And like, hmm. you know, what is that system? So those those kind of things. Well, like, there's a bunch of football players that are nines, for example. Right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Fighters, fighters, mm-hmm. yeah, boxers, yeah. Also, I think like you're saying, there's a lack of representation of certain types. Like I was. But amongst our friend groups, like the four that people look to as mm-hmm. like, this is what a four looks mm-hmm. like. And so then now we like walked away and we're like, John's the only four we actually know. Like we yep. don't know fours at this yep. point. And so and there's not that example. There, that's, that's part of the, yeah. that's part of the issue there because um, another aspect of it is if you think about the types and the way that they function, that it would make sense that there'd be more of certain types. If there was a bunch of eights, running around, you'd have problems. So you, you need <laughs> to be a non-functional society. So Same with fours. If, if there was a bunch was of... Fours. No, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if everyone ever. was... Yeah. I mean, Nothing sixes and nines... Yeah, sixes and nines are probably like 50% of the population. Mm-hmm. At least. Yeah. At least. Well, um, we, and so, you, in fact, run the world. Yep. Yeah. And so that's, you know, how do you know that? Like, you, when you, whenever you say something like that, people eventually say, you know, how, what kind of research have sure. you done, blah, blah, blah. It's just something that if you actually know how to recognize the types, then you would start to take stock in your life. How often do I run into a nine? How often do I run into a six? How often do I run into a sexual type, social type? And it just makes sense that if you understand how a type functions, like four and five, that's not very functional. It wouldn't make sense for them to for them to be that many, but I think what shocks me is to the degree of how rare four actually is um, in the years that we've been, you know, like deeply typing people, celebrities, people that we know, like it's just a handful of people. So how do you convey something like that without sounding like you're rarefying this type? Yeah, um, and then making people want to be a more to be a more. Or, you know, how do you convey the extreme separation that is four or five on, like, if you don't understand five until you've actually experienced what real detachment is from a five, like, it's just words on a page. And so I think part of what I really want to do with the Enneagram is, like, this is, these aren't just categories and descriptions these are playing out in real people. Mm-hmm. And if you were to actually experience them, then you wouldn't mistype. 
Well, well, and I think the object relations episode was really helpful in kind of naming that, like looking at that from an object relations place. Like it just (laughs) makes so much more sense that there would be more sixes and nines based on like infancy and survival, like doing what the four and the five is doing. Like, I'm like, they've all died off. <laughs> you know? They all, they all died. They're well, absolutely yeah. useless. If, uh, yeah, if, if a mother has a, a four child, they're, they're best to, like, just leave the child on the side of the mountain to be frozen. Because it's, like, yeah, totally dysfunctional. Like, nines can dissociate and stuff, but they can still function in some, some rudimentary way. Like, but, I mean, four and five are, like, Espe- like and I, I mean, I think especially four, maybe I'm self-aggrandizing in a reverse way, but uh, I think four is especially non-functional. And that's like, mm-hmm. you read like Riso's levels of health at the lower levels, that's what he emphasizes, like complete inability to function. Mm-hmm. Whereas nines can sort of function in a, almost like a, a zoned out zombie way, um, but it's like, like they're not home. Whereas mm-hmm. four is like, you know, whatever mopey yeah nine nine can just kind of jump into a flow mm-hmm. and so you're the not, lights are on you're not present yeah exactly yeah now i think i'm also married to a nine social nine so mace social nine my wife Melissa, social nine and for me my a lot of times my personal experience of that it maybe that zombie state is losing losing them i'm like where did they go i don't even <laughs> who this is right now and it's like obviously you're you but like i'm not experiencing you in that way i experienced you before we walked into the party or something like that you know yeah it's like you could put your hand through them (laughs) no you call me like a ghost (laughs) and and i guess i mean to a certain extent there's a high compliment to their like the chameleon nature of being able to shift and accommodate so quickly uh it's something i've always been so in awe of and slightly jealous of i think um, so yeah. one thing right there, just to just to like really dig no, into that socialness here, yeah. is that um, realization that you're kind of jealous of that. That's social. That's not social blind. <laughs> yeah, that's that's so social. Social doesn't mean you're good at it. It just right. means you're very much aware you know, of it. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 yeah and it's so just it's. An it's interesting because uh, when you're when you, whatever your type is that you're, it's hard to be aware of your own type, even if you know it, you know cognitively to be able to explain it. And so I'm always, um, you know, asking Nancy just her own observations of us as uh, social blinds. Nancy's got to be social for. Yeah, just yeah, being able I have to pick like up, an amount of social. Just being a, you know, just get somebody else's perspective on, you know, what it looks like because uh, trying to describe, like, what does it mean to be social blind? Uh, I, and I think examples like that, catching it, I think I had a, a recent call with somebody who thought they were social blind. And one of the things I asked them just to paint an example was uh, there was a thread in the group about sexual objectification. It was just a topic. What did people think about it? And of course, it's a lot of people. Um, commenting with different points of view. And I asked him, what did, what did you think about that topic? <laughs> and he said, well, it depends, you know, what context are you talking about? I was like, well, there you go. Context. <laughs> Always context. It's, and he's like, well, how would you frame it? And it's like, I have one it view. Yeah. <laughs> I have one view and I'm going to express that one view. And you don't frame it before you say anything either. I'm just going to, yeah. That and he's like, well, it depends. 
it depends on the situation, depends on the context, depends on what are we talking about here? And I was like, well, that's social. That's the contextual piece that um, maybe you're not going to see in a description, but that's how social works. It's like there are all these different ways of uh, framing things. Uh, yeah. And that's not sexy, really, because it's just <laughs> like, oh, that's, that's it? Like, once you look at the instincts and really see what they are, it's like, oh, that's all it was? <laughs> yeah. And, and that's why I like instincts, because they're easy to catch in the moment, for me, yeah. anyway. Because, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, they're just they're three simple things, and they're just base animal instincts. Um, so And they're happening all the time. So yeah. it's like you're constantly expressing from the perspective um, of your instincts. So just listening to the pod, I mean, just a podcast is is generally a social <laughs> sort of yeah. thing to do. Like, John was like, you know, when he was talking about, let's do a podcast, it's like, wouldn't it be hilarious if a bunch of social ass did a podcast? Yes, <laughs> it took you guys forever to commit to doing one. <laughs> yeah. You were like, oh, maybe, oh, no. So, and then yeah. you guys called me, and you are like, would you want to be on there? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> I was wondering if uh, there were other questions that people. I was curious, like, yeah, people write wrote questions. They did, yeah, yeah. We should we should ask them. I mean, I have I them down up. here. I think another one was people wanted to know about the levels of health and if that is a helpful construct, like to even think about the levels of health. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I think. Well, first, I think you know, like I'm going to say this about every fucking thing. Everything's misunderstood, right? So, like. <laughs> Levels of health. <laughs> levels of health are really complicated because it sounds like oh, healthy is like like when you're healthy, you feel good and stuff like this. But health, in the terms of the enneagram, is ha has to do with presence, how present you are. How present you are is how present you are to the body, heart, and mind together. And so, for the average levels, that's where most people are. There's a mixture of the centers, body, heart, and mind, through the style of your dominant type. Uh, People sort of think that, yeah, like, so, so, so it's not about attitude. It doesn't mean mm. you feel good. You can be at a really high level of health and feel, like, horrible. Mm. Like Mace, for example, uh, you experiencing the kind of torment you're experiencing uh, is actually a sign of health mm. because you are seeing through something that was once obscure or once too uh, dense to see through you're no longer identified and you're having some freedom from it, but it's also bringing up other feelings. That's going up a level. Uh, it can be in a good, good way. It can be a difficult way. It doesn't really matter, but people mm -hmm. think if I'm doing well or I'm feeling good, that's a level of health. Usually that just means your personality is happy. Mm -hmm. the, the, each level of health is a degree of non-identification. And so there's a shock point, a big sort of shift. And first of all, I would argue that almost you probably all of us have probably never met or barely or met maybe a handful of people who've ever been to level three hmm. yeah the, that that hmm. is a shift in being where your center of gravity is no longer the personality you're not rooted in identification with the personality you're there's some part of you that is free to be uh, experience yourself as being directly and so the personality structure is a little bit more transparent doesn't mean you're just a nice person it doesn't mean that you are suddenly just eating organic food and having tantric sex and all that kind of shit. It just means you're actually free inside somehow, hmm. which is different than most of our models of growth and development and spirituality have communicated. It can look like there's, you know, there's a, a Sufi 
proto-Sufi, prior to Sufi uh, sect that I think is very interesting called the Malamati, which means the way of blame. And they had this whole thing of being disgraceful in the eyes of everybody but Allah. And what that means is like, you're completely like, like you seem like a dick or a freak or an asshole or whatever, but you're free inside. And you're willing to have everybody hate you for it, you know? Because it's the idea is to no longer need any of the supplies of the external world to like feel your identity. So anyway, level two and level one are incredibly rare and like huge. And um, so often people will go, oh, well, I'm a healthy version of this type. Yeah. Mm. That's usually a way to say I'm not the right type. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Again, back to Mace. Mace, you are seeing your sleep. Mm. That is what helps you go up a level, is to see where we are asleep, to see where we are uh, shut down, where we're trapped in our personality, where we're mechanical. To see where we are, in a sense, failing is the way to health because we are becoming disidentified with the personality that way. It does not do us any good to say, I'm really present, I'm really... You know, like that's that reward system is almost a guarantee that you're a level... Five, or you know, or below, like to give yourself points. Last thing I'll say is that the passions of the types, you know, lust and sloth, all those things, are not just negative. From the point of view, they don't just feel bad; they can also feel really good. And most of our our positive emotions are just are are, are one side of the passion. So, for example, envy is mine, right? Envy can feel like oh, everything's missing and lacking and I'm suffering. That's one aspect of envy. But on another aspect, I can feel like I'm the fucking unique king of the world and the most creative motherfucker and, like, like, you know, like, like all the great stuff's happening, and it feels really good. But what's, what, what is feeling good in me is the personality. Mm. There's no being. Mm. Right. And so part of what we get into when you go into the higher levels of health is a freedom from like and dislike, which is a whole topic. Mm. So I do think levels of health are really important, but they're really misunderstood and used in a very superficial, sketchy way. And if you're thinking like, well, I'm just a healthy eight, I'm never addicted to anybody. It's like <laughs> you're not an eight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Either that or you're always a dick and you have no idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and yeah. to, to see your dickness, to see your, you know, your whatever that's, to be a conscious dick. To be consciously aware of how much you are those things is actually the beginning to start to, to develop health-wise. You know... Sorry. Oh, go ahead, Amika. I said people... Uh, it's a strategy of a certain type to bring up levels of development in the process of trying to figure out their type. Because generally, um, some positive types will frame hmm. any... They, Positive types tend to have um, a problem with the reactive types being what they are, and um, you know certain types because they they start the understanding that type makes that person uncomfortable. So it's like, well, this is the healthy version, and so there are multiple ways that people are using these enneagram concepts to get away from seeing the type for what it is, and levels of health is one of those ways. A trifix is another way. You know, I have this fix, and so that's why I'm different. Um, ways to muddy the water and get away from, like, let's get really, really specific about what this type is and what it's not. That's so good. Man, yeah. There's so many misconceptions. Were you going to say something, Nancy? Oh, I was just going to say the world is run by positive types, and that's why it's, it's like, they, they, they ruin this shit. <laughs> 
sorry, job. but they do. I, I find it to be pretty like suffocating and frustrating. It's just like there's there's like a tyrannical ruler out there who's like telling us we all need to be positive or something or mm-hmm. yeah, disnifying everything. Um, oh, we we live in the, the Tower of Babel, yeah. right? Like yeah. we're all just like trying to get each other to fuck off basically you know <laughs> <laughs> live in my world is what we're all saying no matter what the, what our my world is the best world and you have to be here and you know on the flip side there is the you know as a reactive type with even with uh, another reactive fix there's, there's a tendency that i i have that i can really go to hell you know with negativity and um i'm aware of that so it's, I, I know that this is a, a, a perspective that I have um, that isn't necessarily reality. Um, so you can't go the other way and say that negativity is the best way because uh, that's not that's not necessarily reality either. But hmm. you know, I think things Depression are so. It's just not the way to go. Yeah, like things are so tilted towards the positive way of looking things that I think what we're doing with uh, BHE is really we need to crank up the shadow a lot more because it's just not there. People aren't wanting to look at on, you know, the shadowy sides of uh, these type structures. Like just let an eight be an eight. Let, let hmm. five and four be what it is at the gap asshole of the Enneagram. It, it represents something not good and you yeah. should let it be that. There are other types that represent sunshine and goodness and things like that. Yeah. I almost, I, I almost think my general experience is like fairly neutral on a lot of things. Like I always feel some people are trying to get me to be more negative about things. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I'm not that negative, but then yeah. a lot of people are trying to get me to be really happy about something. And I'm like, I'm also not that happy. So <laughs> it's kind of stuck in the middle sometimes, but. Um, are you a Bermuda type? <laughs> No, maybe I, that's it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, that's that's interesting. We think we're talking about it, and uh, we talked about your instincts. We didn't talk about your type, did we? No, I mean, okay. I, eventually we're going to steer the conversation in that direction. I think. But I, I okay, wanna, all right. Like, let's wait for that then. Let's wait. Yeah. Are there more questions? <laughs> yeah, I like the questions. Uh, yeah, there are a few more questions. Um, I'm gonna go, keep talking. I'm going to go to the bathroom. Okay. All right. <laughs> that's not allowed. <laughs> Scott has a tendency to not even floor. let me like let anyone know he's going to the bathroom. He just, just like he just abruptly stands up and goes, and I'm like, dude, what are you doing? I, res- I respect that. <laughs> I get. I'm like, I'm so <laughs> disoriented. Um, okay. Y'all don't have two hour bladders. I didn't, you don't have two hour bladders. I uh, I have thirty minute bladders. Um, okay, here's, let me go to some of these questions. Uh, this one, this one might be too big of a question, but someone said more examples of instincts intersecting with type and how that lends flavor. Oh, that's a whole podcast. Yeah, yeah whole it might podcast. just yeah, be too gonna, big. I'm, I'm coming out with an instinct book in the future, so we're going to, like, when I get my act together, uh, we're going to do, like, a whole instinct dive. Yeah, uh, for around months, this. probably. <laughs> yeah. um, this other one is... Maybe now with some distance, why do you think people hold on to being a four? Oh, wow. That's, David's that's got some. One. I think David has probably some of the best reasons I've seen. Unless, yeah. do you remember, David? <laughs> <laughs> do I remember? Do I remember? I can just see David's face. I can see his eyes like going. <laughs> what, what did I say? <laughs> what do I even think? 
uh, even though I've written it a, a thousand times online, do I remember my? I will paraphrase of what I remember David saying. Yeah. I think I agree with David saying is that uh, for one thing, four gets kind of romanticized in general. Yeah. It's not seen for how pissy and harsh and dysfunctional and whatever. It gets romanticized as being this sensitive, remote, deep type. And everybody want, everybody feels misunderstood. Everybody feels deep. Everybody feels that they're, they have a, an inner life that is more complex than they're allowed to express and that, that wants to be seen and understood. And so sometimes, like especially for nine, but other types too, it's like it gives them permission to be like, I am kind of like a bitchy, whiny, sad, morose. Like it gives permission to own some of their darker feelings. And it becomes a way to say, can you see my darker feelings? Yeah. It's almost like a triangulation or I don't know if I'm using that term, but you know, like you bounce off like, okay, maybe you don't see my darker feelings. But if I say like I'm a four, this is the dark feelings. That means you see that I have dark feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one, one thing is it's, it's a way to say, if you're a nine typing as a four, what you're saying, you know, unconsciously in doing that is, hey, guys, there's actually a whole lot more going on inside me than you ha- realize, yeah. right? So that's one thing, because nines look so blank often, you know what I mean? Or friendly or nice or whatever, right? They, they put a lot of distance between expressing the full blunt of their, like, very intense very complicated feelings, but they're very good at sort of minimizing the expression of it. Right, and there's a lot of just, I mean, from my past, you know, I could be, I mean, this maybe is, I don't know, dramatic or whatever, but I could be almost suicidally depressed, depressed, and someone might say, how's it going? And I'll say, oh, I'm fine, right? You know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna write it off, right? And I'm, and I'm gonna assume that nobody wants to hear the thing too, which is another kind of nineism in itself. Um, another thing too, um, with uh, people in general typing as four, and I don't know if this is sort of too convoluted or obscure, but is it's a way to kind of make your emotional life and your history uh, and your whole life struggle poetic, right? Mm-hmm. Like if I'm a four, then this whole thing, then then I'm somewhat of an art piece, right? And it's almost like a, a way to frame things. Do you know what I'm saying? In a, yes. in a way that's like... Um, uh, yeah, that it, it's... I mean, on some level, universally, everybody... Um, has some desire to sort of take a hero's journey kind of thing. And so one one iteration of that would be to um, make myself into a timeless poem, right? <laughs> Which is kind of what for being a four, I think unconsciously represents to a lot of people. I would also add that, um, you know, the fourth thing is to hyper-individuate, right? It's like to be like, what is supposed so specifically me? And in so doing, it's like distilling away the things of the world, you know, the things of one's past and experience to get just the kernel of what's actually uniquely mine and my own. 
And so, uh, like, but that's at the exclusion of, like, being in the world and uh, be feeling connected and things like this. There's a lot that you're excluding to do that. But for some types, it can be a way to recognize that I need to individuate. There's, like, a, mm. like, a, like there's a need, especially with triangle types, uh, there's a recognition that it, it's, like, there's a part of me that, as an attachment type, I do need to individuate from my attachment structures. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes that anxiety about it or that, that kind of itch about individuation, it, it's a way to acknowledge it in some, some fashion, I think. Mm -hmm. One thing that I've been thinking a lot about, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too, is like nines being really good at swallowing things and interjecting things. Yeah, they are. Um, and <laughs> no, no, that's She's fine. She's dating a nine. <laughs> It's, it's it's really real. I think that's been probably the biggest realization. I'm like, who the fuck am I besides just a bunch of things I've inhaled? Um, and I think that the four was something that I like, like, I feel like I'm like, I've got a great skill in inhaling things. And I don't, if the nine structure is wanting to avoid themselves in a lot of ways, it's a lot easier for me to swallow something else and think that that's mine. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing with nine, too, is that nines are, like, I call nine the synthesist, and it's because nines are kind of synthesizing themselves into everything, and one, one way that that uh, frames up is that <clears throat> a nine can see themselves in a description of a type other than nine, mm -hmm. right? And you can merge into that and you can even merge your whole history and reframe the yep. whole thing into having been a four that's that's and that's an extreme synthesizing that you're doing right and that's but that's nine right yeah no and there's also the example of people doing that not just with four but other types in succession yeah, so I've seen people will do that with four, and then maybe a year or six months later, they decided they're a five nine now, and they a five do, nine. You know, they'll do that whole thing of everything that I've ever been and ever will be has been five, and you know, yep. you can go back and look <laughs> at the same posts that they were doing like a year ago and framing everything as four. And now it's another type, and I've seen you know nines do that with four, five, even eight. Um, and you know, and nines because they're because they are a body type. There's a thing around boundaries. So if you're telling them that they're not the type that they think they are, like they're not a four or they're not an eight or, or a five, they take it as an invasion into their boundaries. Mm. Yeah, mm -hmm. and there's and it and there's a lot of anger that comes up online. I mean. Nines actually get more angry than any other type about that stuff. Wow. I mean, by a long shot. Like the, the type four group that John and I are often <laughs> posting in. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's nonstop nines being angry about... Bullying fours. What's that? Nines bullying nines that think they're fours. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. It's just anger at the invasion of an idea. And that's one of the... the Right. Awesomest things about not a four is just the hashtag alone existing is an existential threat to this feeling of I've absorbed yep. four as my identity. Like the fact that it exists, and if you just write not a four and people see it, it's like the, the it's it per, it penetrates this bubble of 
I've absorbed my who I am and everything I thought I was into this description of a type, and now it just like they have to like reintegrate um, this idea that they might not be, you know, this type that they've imagined themselves to be. And so, it's amazing. It's great. It's <laughs> it's it gets people to maybe stop sleepwalking through this stuff and maybe part, good look at it. And part of the way that we learn anything about the type that we actually are or not is to not assume that we know our type or know anything about it, right? Like, I, for example, can, uh, you know, think I know what envy is. I can assume I know what envy is, and I can read about it and be like, <laughs> I kind of see that myself. But to actually, like, get a felt sense, three-dimensional kind of experience of it is a whole other animal, right? And so we should all not assume, like, like Mace, no assuming you know what a nine is, right? right? Mm -hmm. Emeka, no assuming you know what an eight is. Like, you can, you know, it's like, that shuts right. down our curiosity, and that's just down learning. And even uh, as someone who's been into the Enneagram for a long time, like every single year they are, there are new layers of depth of understanding what eight really is. You know, there's, on one hand, you can understand on a page, like I know what the eight type structure is, but to really know it as an experience, uh, I'm realizing stuff every year. So even if you're accurately typed, it doesn't mean you understand your type. Yeah, I'd um, say the nine feels the most mysterious to me at this point. Mm -hmm. Good. Uh, <laughs> I think we have like 45 minutes. Is it, is it time to... Take a break? No, I was going to say, do you want to try to do tri-type? Hot seat for Scott. You're yeah. tri-type? Let's, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, give me, um, let me figure out my tech stuff here for a second. My phone's about to die, and this is the only thing I could get to work with my internet, but let me so, get off and get back on here. Yeah. But, yeah, you guys can go ahead. I just got to get yeah. off and come back on. So, Scott, I'll just jump in and do the terribly conflictual Actually, I need to stick thing. This. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let your phone die, Amica. Don't do it. <laughs> I, I need to stick out around for this. This is the best. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, generally our impression, and I'll leave our, you know, vague or whatever, being a nine, um, is that you're probably not a five in the first place, Scott. Um, but so I don't know how, you know, you know, we can get into that. Um, but, um, what are your... Are you open to being some other type, or where are you on all of that stuff? Uh, absolutely open. I mean, that's what we're trying to do, right? Um, yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, what can I say? Uh, it's, the, I guess the hardest thing for me sometimes is, you know, me and David being body types, it's like you have a physical impression of someone, and trying to convert that impression into words is... Um, Difficult, and so I guess as a body type, there's a way that um, head types feel um, in terms of you know you you feel very different from Mace, it, it, and even just listening on the the pod, there's a different way that you're framing things. I think both of you are social types, um, and so it's clear clear to me that you're a head type, but the way that you're framing things isn't coming from the place of someone who over-compartmentalizes and is coming from a detached place. When you listen to a, a five speaking about anything, uh, you're, you're going to... Your, you're excluded in a way. 
Yeah. With yeah, one of the things that I was impressed with, like I, I listened to like some of the la the episode that we recorded, and I was noticing Scott, like I was like how well you track people's yes. responses and emotions, mm -hmm. and it, like that really stood out. Like like in, independent of any kind of like what's his type, I just was noticing how you were. There's a certain way that you affirm. There's a certain way that you sort of directed to something else. It was you're like really uh, with the moment-to-moment -moment emotional responses yes. and things that were going on. And mm -hmm. that seems fairly opposite of how a the five, five like what a five could do. Right, yes. right. There's five is kind of like, uh, you know, five has been described as, um, I don't know, which, uh, having a connection to the schizoid affect. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's almost as a type structure, it's, uh, loosely using this term, it's almost like quasi-autistic. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I will and, say, I have one of my best friends is a therapist for 15 years has called me schizoid. Okay. Um, and I just watched this Hannah Gatsby stand-up and really teared up when she was talking about adult autism. Mm -hmm. um, like, I really related to that. Not that I think I so, have that necessarily, but yeah. So I hear, I hear you. But I don't see it, yeah, right? Exactly. I don't yeah. feel it. <laughs> yeah, don't feel it. Yeah, I mean, and I, I hope that doesn't sound like a, you know, invalidating. No, but no. it's it's not. I mean, I five's... I'm not committed to being schizoid. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean, you you could be autistic without being a five. I guess it's it's more like uh, autism in in terms of a type structure where there is a. I like the term violent separation because nothing else gets at how separate yeah. you're going to feel with and, the five. And, and, and a and five, go ahead. David, and, <laughs> and uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, because five is the hardest type for me to understand. But uh, fives are pretty similar to four in the way that they're hyper-specific about. Yeah. There's, there's a hyper-specification around, like, kind of everything that yeah, they yeah. are interested in and about themselves. And that specification can create kind of like... And they'll... Yeah, and edges. the specificity makes for them to go down their track conversationally, and you might be excluded, and they're just talking at exactly. you. Exactly. It's, like, it's like necessary. It's, it's a compulsion to go down that track. Almost. Yeah, right. and, and it's like, like for example, Scott, like this thing that you are able to do of being able to get in with the flow of the conversation the yeah. and direct, you know, how it's going to to see that that's like a, a like you talked about like envying nines being able to sort of absorb into something and adapt with it and move with it. Six is doing that, but in the head center. Mm -hmm. That's why a lot of uh, you know TV hosts, the archetype of a TV host or host in general, Oprah, David Letterman, all these people are all social, or not social, but, you know, sixes. Because it's like a spark plug energy, head center energy, but being able to be with people. thing about five is that they've got their specific corner on what they're interested in, and it is specific as fuck. It has to be specific because it is excluding everyone else. If you're not on board with this topic... I mean, it's not even a matter of whether you're on board. The five's just going to go because that's that's really. They don't all even there. need your consent. They yeah. they're just going. And even, and for example, yeah, five could even a five could even be a talkative five, mm -hmm. but they're doing their track right. They're not, and they kind of are 
you know, missing a lot of the cues of what's happening socially, even when they're a social five. Yep. Yeah. Like even like, uh, you know, talking to some fives where you're having a normal conversation with any other type and there's a point where you might give a compliment to a five or you might affirm them in some kind of way and there would be a usual response, you're not going to get a response. <laughs> yeah. I've had some conversations with fives where I did like a collage typing. Like there was one in particular uh, in our group um, where I earnestly, you know, honestly said I really like those collages and 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 there was no response like silence like I waited five seconds there was no response to that whatsoever that just like hello you know what <laughs> there's, just, there's no you know it, it's sort of just not being it's almost like fiveness is like being disconnected from the body as a communications tool with the rest yeah. of humanity. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And that does not is not how you come off. It, like I, I we did a had a recent experience because we don't get that many fives, but every now and then we do, and we uh, we typed a five who sent in a video, and generally people are awkward when they send a video and they say, "Oh, I'm going to start my video now. I'm going to answer the questions." And so this is sort of awkward way to start because you're dealing with the idea that other people are watching you. And this, you know, this person who is a social five, uh, turned on the camera and just started answering the first question without really even saying what question they I, were answering. No yeah. hi, no nothing. And at the end of the last question, she just turned the camera off. <laughs> and that was that. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but there's just a way that there you're not here with me. I'm not here with you. Yeah. Uh, and I've got this track that I'm on and you can either come on board with it or, you know, like there's just a huge disconnect. Whereas with you, Scott, I mean, there's very much what I get with sixes, which is a certain kind of humanness and a certain kind of curiosity um, you know, that it's communicative and it's um, present in a certain way and alert to people and what's happening uh, as opposed to, again, sort of, you know, tunneling off in some direction and just forgetting <laughs> that you're even with people almost. I feel, I feel very um, complimented by you guys or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're well, saying that you don't seem to exist in some sort of like solipsistic uh, <laughs> emptiness. Corner. Yeah, it's really, it's really nice. I mean, I'm I, I I'm gonna continue to approach it curiously and open-mindedly, of course. Um, and I, I just have sort of uh, feedback that I've gotten. You know, I'm I'm 41 now. I've been married almost 20 years, and uh, feedback I got very early on, very aggressively, was I talk people out. Of, their emotions. That was one of my big things. Um, emotionally detached. Like I created this uh, art thing about five years ago. I was supposed to name five characters that reside in me internally. And the first one was uh, emotionally detached Earl. Um, this was before I knew the Enneagram, but like I really related with characters like Spock or Data from Star Trek. And it was because I attended to approach people in a way that I thought was very appropriate and helpful, which was emotionally detached and objective and people kept 
slamming me like that is really inappropriate like and my my friend Sean who's like I said a therapist like just that was his mantra for me for a long time is I have a hard time being present uh, I talk people out of their emotions you know my wife would always say you're you're acting like a robot you know I need more from you you know um, and then there's just I, this idea too of like growing up in a like a ministry Christian culture from as early as I can remember there was a pretty much an imperative that I would be in ministry so it's like tons of training on eye contact and tracking and and hosting a, uh, an event in a room and and just I feel like when I do this which is what is so draining to a certain extent I it's like a character I'm playing and then I have to go decompress for like five hours and um I don't know so I don't know if it's just the nature of me being in ministry for so long putting myself in situations that are utterly draining. So I have that like, quote unquote, five tendency to want to go get space. So uh, yeah, one thing I jump in there is just that underlying assumption that your background and your history and your, your family history and so forth is something that you're going to absorb and it's going to be reflected in how you are and how you express your type or your capacity to maybe even go somewhat beyond your type, that in itself is often how a attachment type, you know, um, shows up is just that reflex to see things that way that, you know, I mean, it comes up in the type four groups, you know, is people saying, well, I'm not like some of those things you're saying about four because of such and such in my family life, yeah. right? That's a yeah. big one. It's an interesting one because I too grew up in a very conservative Christian family. I mean, my parents were, I used, I used to joke around a lot to say that I was going to church before I was even born. Yeah. Like my parents are hardcore church people, like ministry people. And so for a long time, um, there was this assumption that I would follow in their footsteps and get involved with that kind of stuff. But I, as a, a type, a hexat type, and, and a hexat type who's social blind and has, you know, five and four fixes, there is, I have a, a real disconnect with the, even the concept of family. Um, I don't think that my parents and what they want to do and what they think has any bearing on me whatsoever. I somehow happen to be born from certain people and and I, I don't think I can convey the amount of um, not that I don't like my parents or anything like that but the sense of cohesion as us having some kind of relation in our, our life path having any sort of influence in on my life whatsoever is non-existent mm -hmm. and um, yeah I think it's it's uh, it's the concept of family is is something that I think is very intrinsic to Attachment, not just not necessarily your own family, but just family in general, of um, how much that can influence you, where you're from, the career path that you've chosen, how um, three, six, and nine are taking on these outside influences, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's totally normal, but it's just a very different type perspective than uh, some of the hexat types who inherently have this, I don't know, fully formed, I guess, individuation 
where you're doing your, you're separate. <laughs> and, you know, it, like, why, why would your parents and your career in the ministry have any bearing on how you turned out? Right. You know, that's, it's kind of like, you know, getting at what's going on. You know, if you put somebody else like maybe me or John in a similar situation, is also, that how one, it would play out? <laughs> one thing, one thing too, um, and I know you've thought you might be sexual first, but my tendency would be to suggest that you could be social self-pres, and that particular stacking does have a kind of intellectual quality, and it does have a kind of wall and a yes. kind of distant distance yes. to it that's kind of somewhat... Um, could be like lofty, you know, and, in and cold mm -hmm. in that way that that's, you know, quasi five-ish, right? Mm -hmm. And so if you're, and also if you're a six with a five wing, you know, that could, you know, you've got maybe some, some five. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, okay. What were you saying? No, I, I, not nothing big. I just, you know, the way the types combine is interesting. It's a much longer conversation, but uh, anyone yeah. who has social self-pres as a stacking is going to, a lot of people who have that stacking tend to relate to five uh, because um, oh, this is something, this is more one of David's things, but the contra stackings, which is the stackings that are social self-pres, self-pres, sexual, and sexual social kind of undermine their first instinct in a way um, because of the way it's set up. And so social self-press can seem not that great at connection because it doesn't seem warm in comparison to social sexual. Anyway. Uh, um, I mean, so, so let's, 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 let's play around with the idea of being a sex. Okay. Um, there's many features that are supposedly prominent in a six that I don't find myself relating to or getting defensive about. Like, I have very little connection to six so like for example i'm not responsible i'm not reliable um i don't really plan ahead to checking to my relationship <laughs> I, you know, I, really, I really relate to um when i listen to your social fives on your interview like the idea of missing like i don't even know if i know what it's like to miss people um and a constant struggle I'm in with most friendships is that I'm never checking in. And I'm even sort of in a text philosophical conversation with my dad these days of like, it's essentially been a year since we've talked. And he's like, I'd like to have a relationship with you. Like what's going on? And in my mind, I'm like, I have a relationship with my dad. Like I like my dad and <laughs> talk and it's great. Like I've got, I always just say, I've got no beef. No like beef. it's, it's great. It's a good relationship. Um, so there's just some like, key features to sixes that I don't find myself relating to. So in order to like, in order to go down that path, I would need to find like an entry point. I mean, you could say head type, I guess that'd be an entry point because I really relate to the idea of head type, but yeah. Yeah. I, I would say that um, I had some difficulty finding my type and because I just didn't relate to descriptions about eight because um, descriptions are generally describing from somebody else's perspective who's generally not that type from the outside looking in. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just been a process of trying to find descriptions that really get at the core of each type because I think a huge issue with people 
um, landing on their type is that these descriptions aren't that, that good. Uh, right. And so when people say, I don't relate to this type, it's like, well, what do you know about that type and, and what are you saying that you don't relate to? Because I had to land on my type not based on any description that I read. I had to land on my type based on figuring out the centers and saying, okay, I'm a body type, I, I have anger as a core issue, and then I, I'm a reactive type, and it became a process of eventually finding descriptions of like the essence quality of a, mm -hmm. and really getting into the feeling, the core personality trigger or structure of what eight feels like before I got it. Um, so I don't think descriptions are that, are that good. And so I, I, what I try to do with people is to look at the type structure, look at the type structurally in terms of, um, you know, you're a head type, okay? Like, so we're in one center that basically narrows it down to five or six. You don't right. think you're seven. So then let's look at the structural differences between five and six. Yeah. You know, one is an attachment type um, and, and reactive type. So we can look at the difference between attachment and rejection. Mm. And, you know, look at how perspectives you might have fall along either side of that, you know, dichotomy. So that, that's, that's a very modular way of doing it, but that's my way. I mean, that, and I think it's, it's a way that prevents muddying the waters because it's very compartmentalized. It's like looking at the type structure uh, structurally, not based on any sort of description that you've read because that can get really fuzzy really quickly because it's like, well, I don't relate to responsibility. What the fuck does that mean? Responsibility. Does that, is that a six thing? Is yeah. every six responsible? No. Yeah. Um, so you can do that kind of shit forever, but you can, we can get really specific about the structural differences, you know, characteristics of these types. And that's, I think that's where you can get real clarity because you are an individual that have, you have specific characteristics that may have nothing to do with your type. Right. Um, but you do have structural personality um, patterns that have to do with one Enneagram type. And let's get specific about that. And so looking at five versus six is like one of one is uh, an attachment type, an attachment reactive type, and the other is a withdrawn rejection type. Now that's, those are two very different things. Also what you just did there, Scott, with talking about your father, and I don't want it to seem like it's, um, I don't know, a headish exercise of micro analyzing every single statement it's more for me it's more um sensate but i mean just framing the relationship with your father as being good would that in itself would might be generally i would expect that would be not what a five would do in general i mean to to um you know um to not describe it as disconnected or, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you guys have some thoughts on any of that. I, yeah, I, as a, as a rejection type, I mean, I guess, I guess a good question would be how, at what age did you realize that your parents didn't know what the fuck they were talking about? Like, oh, young everybody. Like, uh, 11 or 12. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I think, I think depending on the type Shout out to Scott's Not, parents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I think 
at some point, uh, you know, just a very young age, I, I realized that my parents were just, you know, they didn't have the answers. Uh, and it, it wasn't like, uh, it was kind of like, oh, I'm not, I don't have any connection to you um, at all. Like, I'm being held hostage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally what it felt like. Like, I'm counting down the years until I, I don't have to listen to anything that, um, I mean, this is some eight stuff, but there's, uh, I don't know if I can underline just how separate I felt from the whole thing. Um, and there was nothing wrong with that. It's just a fact of reality. It's just, you know, this is just, they're doing their own thing and I just happen to be born yeah. as their son. <laughs> that, that might be an interesting comparison just in the sense that like, I felt like they didn't know what they were talking about and challenged them on that a lot. So I don't know if that is like five, six, eight, or what, but like there was a lot of arguing, you know? No, I, I didn't, I, I think I just realized that, I, I guess I, maybe this is me specific, but I just, I felt like I was born in the wrong family. <laughs> what, what I would just say is like, you know, we've like, you know, we might be totally fucking wrong. Yeah. And right. the the point is like, sorry. So can I? Yeah, right. And and so can you, and it's like it's like the point is like that we all just like want to see more clearly. And so right. you know, like just just like what I always tell people who are reconsidering things about their type is like spend some time just gathering data impartially. And what I mean by that is like don't compare it to what type is this, what type is that, but just to start like kind of be like like what am I doing? What is my day to day? Like how am I framing things? And so, uh, you know, from that point of view, then you can get into, all right, well, was this collection of data I did uh, indic indicative of a rejection structure or an attachment structure or a frustration structure? These kinds of questions are like, you know, and another, another aspect too is like, all head types have schizoid elements, right? Because they're head types. Yeah. <laughs> and so often sometimes like six does have a relational quality, but it's like, um, it's not like a heart center relational quality. Right. It's, uh, it's like, I, I've talked about this on the podcast, but I, I have a brother who's a six and we were always fist fighting. And, uh, like, so I, there was a way that from an early age, I like kind of rejected sixness hmm. and in my own structure, like I don't have six. And so I went to Japan. Japan is a six culture. And it blew my fucking mind because it was like, you know, like the, the quality that I saw in that culture was the kind of intense mental focus of the five that we're all familiar with. It's sort of we get, you know, the kind of insight, but it's like that applied broadly. And what I mean by that is like an awareness of context and how things fit together and how things operate. So with Japan, like, you know, the trains run in fucking time and everything is considered and like Shintoism is influencing there, but it's like everything has its own place in relationship to each other. And that is a really intense quality of awakeness and awareness that is really characteristic of the six energy. Yeah. And so as you are deciphering, maybe you are a five, maybe you're a six. It's like, how is the awareness, how is my awareness aware? What am I tracking? What am I excluding to keep my awareness in the familiar shape, so to speak, that it stays in? So those One kinds thing, of... Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, sorry. Uh, Scott, earlier, too, you said something about 
being caught in between two different things. I can't remember what you were talking about, but that like kind positive of, and negative. That I mean, that is often how six goes. I mean, to me, for me, like at a at an abstract level, I mean, that's kind of the fundamental thing of sixness is being sort of fifty fifty kind of on everything, right? And sort of being in between. And um, I mean, then you, but from that um, sort of underlying uh, substrate or whatever, you're picking one side or the other so that you can, you know, mobilize in some way. And, and so you pick, you do form an opinion um, and it's usually, um, you know, somewhat black or white so that you've got something to push off of because you are split 50-50, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, yeah. One of the interesting things about six in all the attachment types uh, for me, just in terms of a typing experience, is that we talk about how nine can absorb themselves into many different types, and so trying to pin down a nine is like trying to grab air or water. But uh, there's a way that six is doing that, the same thing in the head center, where the type structure of six always has contradiction inherently. If you, a six says something, the opposite is right behind it. Mm -hmm. And... In the past, we've talked about, you know, trying to refine these descriptions for six, and it's interesting how the sixes will respond. Every one of them will say, yeah, I relate, but I, you know, this is wrong. This is not quite right. Whenever you try to define what six is, mm -hmm. 20 sixes will respond that regardless of what it is, that it's not quite right. And so there's yeah. always this, this... Splitting. Yeah, there's always this feeling of you can never actually land on it squarely. Like there, there always has to be the opposite, you know, contradiction in it. And so it can be this endless wheel of never, like always being split between yes, no, black, white, or... Um, and so it'll be interesting just to observe that in yourself. And, yeah. you know, how does this, if this splitness shows up um, in the way that you're framing things? Yes, here's another one is rather than yes, no, which it can be, but it's also yes, but, mm. right? It's yes, yeah. but, yeah. right? <laughs> no, I mean, yeah. honestly, that, that's, that's the clearest thing I've heard so far in this conversation for the potential of a six. Like, okay. um, <laughs> not, I, I, think, I think the idea of like having a hard time feeling heard, like I'll say something and somebody says, are you saying this? And I'm like, it's never quite getting it you know and yeah uh, mm -hmm. and then also the moment somebody probably gets me i'm kind of frustrated and i'm like no there's more you know um, there has to be more, so, has to be so, more. <laughs> and part of five is sort of kind of not in a way not needing to have that affirm affirmation that you were heard mm -hmm. in a way because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um they're not even there. <laughs> right. No. They're not there. I with mean, there's just an there's just an assumption you're starting at five from I've rejected the world and the world has rejected me, and that's baseline reality. And it's not, you know, a sad fact. It's not right. a sad fact. It just is. Which you've related to that rejection. Yeah, for like sure. I mean, when I was listening to the attachments theory or object relations one, I definitely related to the five, but like, you know, it could all be this confirmation bias thing, um, like double the tap. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Also uh, be, 
Um, Go ahead, Nancy. I, so my, my dad is a six-wing five, and uh, I think my boss is also a six-wing five. Um, and one thing that I always, always, always appreciate so much about my sixes is that they're very aware of their confirmation bias. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I always love that because I can call my dad and be like, fired up about something and he's like well have you thought of it this way because you might only be researching it in this one term and like you know that would that would uh, create some confirmation bias and that might be why you're getting this information nancy and <laughs> so i just wanted to let you know that there's just oh. this kind of analytical side of sixes um that i know a lot of people attribute to five but it, it can be six too it's well, that type there's this thing somebody said it might have been you nancy or somebody describing this idea of like making this deal like we had made this deal that we're not going to show up and there's something about being in a social situation where I'm sort of on my autopilot thing and just doing the smiling and social niceties and somebody sort of in some way invites me to show up and I'm like what I'm not I'm just I'm playing a character right now I'm not actually here you know <laughs> uh, I, well, I really related to that yeah. that's that's a good you know on the topic of your potential trifix Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, we talked about the two fixes colluding together to form a certain affect for, or kind of perspective for that type. So, you know, give more specificity on what type of six you might be, or even if you were five. And at least where I'm at currently is that the potential of you having nine and three fix fixes, those two types are really blanking on emotional expression mm -hmm. and in a way sort of hiding um, in the moment. And so anytime you have three and nine, like any head type that has three and nine fixes, uh, it amplifies the attachment, but it also amplifies this ability of just not being able to find them or like, uh, or just, um, yeah, blankness, emotional blankness. Uh, and so it, it could be a reason why you might feel, feel you know, detached from people in general. Yeah, it can feel very surface and cool. Not cold, but cool. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Dang, you guys. I feel like I'm not giving you as much to go off as you might want. <laughs> I know what it's oh, like. Oh, we're getting plenty. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't hide from me. <laughs> I mean, you guys came in just... hot at the start. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think um, there's a. I, I was thinking maybe these the tried fix would describe some of the other things, but we're we're sort of stuck on maybe five or six, you know, or being a six. This is what happened to me last time. <laughs> well, I also think uh, you know, like maybe like so we don't just keep talking about the same thing and not going anywhere. Yeah. But last thing I'll add is like understanding essential qualities and like what hits your heart's back walls is really important because like one of the things that so it's like what is five always trying to do they're always trying to like see what's never been seen before constantly and so one of the uh one, one of the ways that shows up is like people misunderstand five is like just wanting to be smart or know a lot of things and generally they don't care Sometimes mm -hmm. some fives are big on that, but really they get obsessed about a certain topic because they want to know everything about the topic so they can know what's not yet known about the topic, you know? And it's the flip side of four, but in the mental center, right? Looking for that original originality and having that very intense focus. 
six, on the other hand, I would call what they're looking for, you say it like truth or what's real. Mm. Five, in a way, can so easily lose track of what's real because in some level they don't always care what's real. Uh, they can go off in their uh, conceptual castles really easily and just leave reality in the dust. Like seven. Like mm-hmm. seven. Six. As compared to six. Six yeah. can create conspiracy theories and stories, but what they're still trying to do is make sense of reality. Mm-hmm. They're still trying to make sense of the phenomenon in hand. <laughs> and they're using the mental center to do so, so uh, often absent of the input of the body and the heart. So it's not always grounded and it's not always like coming from, you know, a sense of their being, their felt sense of personhood. But nonetheless, that sense of like what's true and what's real, that's what's really big for the six, right? And so like that can show up in a million different ways, like, you know, whether it's research, whether it's, you know, like are you a real friend? Is this a real relationship? But there's a sense of like what is real? Mm-hmm. And like I want to know. I want to know what's real. And I'm not, um, you know, when the six is really awakened in their power, you know, that quality of awareness and awakefulness and seeing a great deal, it's not the myopic or however, you know, whatever, the, the narrowing focus of five that's like I only see, you know, the, the thing I'm obsessed with. There's like a great deal of awareness and that can translate into sensitivity, emotional sensitivity even, not always. You know, it depends on the six, depends on the context. But, but keeping in mind sometimes how uh, I think the headness of six gets overlooked except in, in regards to fear and overthinking. But it's like, what is the mind trying to do? What is the mind trying, what is trying to be accomplished through the mental activity? And so I'm not saying one or the other is for you, but I am saying that might be some material to observe in yourself as where, what is your, where are you orienting yourself consistently towards what you call like what's real and true yeah. or versus like a discovery of something completely unseen before. Again, yeah. something too that I would go back to is, you know, there's the sense conversationally that you're with us and we're invited you know what I mean? Which is something that, and I understand you're saying you're maybe playing a character right now, <laughs> but um, but I mean it, it just comes through as a as a sort of you know state of the of the field, right? Of, or, of what's happening. Or another way of saying that is, a, f- a five can't play that character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's right. Very interesting. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's that's the, the thing is the infrastructure crippled right there yeah the infrastructure to to do that isn't there it's like Mm -hmm. and also it's part of like the internal assumption of this is the way it's supposed to be yeah the way that it's supposed to be is that i'm not here detachment and this wall is the way that we we relate and so if you're it's not that's not a character you can play interesting you know it's such a different orientation the idea that you're supposed to play a character, that in itself would be not five. Yeah. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. And kind of pointing to triangle type a little bit. But. Yeah. Bermuda <laughs> triangle? triangle? Yeah. Could be. Well, join triangle the, just Join mean, the you know, hell of it. Come on, yeah. come on over. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, uh-huh. this is really helpful. I mean, that that idea of playing a character is very prevalent for me, I think. Um, so that's something to think about for sure. Well, it's because it's, it's adaptive. Yeah. You know, I mean, right. not to say that we all adapt on some level, but, um, you know, just to, to, to observe to, to what degree that's happening for you, yeah. um, to, to observe, like, what happens if you don't play a character? Yeah, yeah. What and happens you, if you stop doing what, that completely? Yeah. What would be the bad thing if you were just being autistic, Scott? What would be the bad thing that would be the result of that? Well, that happened. I mean, I basically got fired from my job um, about a year ago. So, yeah, I mean, that was actually pretty thrilling. It was really funny. Like, I remember when it happened, you know, the HR director and a few others pulled me in the office, and I was, like, elated. I was like, oh, my gosh. I, I'm Somebody's doing for me what I couldn't do for myself, like, leaving this job. And I remember I spent the next hour essentially taking care of the people that were trying to fire me it was like, because I could tell they were nervous, you know? So I was just like, it's okay. You guys are going to be okay. Let me pray for you, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but I was so, I was almost grateful. I was like, gosh, I felt like ripping off. But I think I had started to not play the character. Mm-hmm. A lot of interesting things that had happened to lead up to that. Uh, Mace was a, a part, a big part of that story. Uh, and no small thing, the podcast too, because um, I think can't have these gays in our church. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I and I think certain approaches I had theologically were starting to seep out on the podcast that mm. I've probably just been talking about in private with friends for a long time, but now that people could hear it. The podcast got you fired. Pretty much. I mean, it was a, it was hell, a yeah. Yeah. hell yeah, <laughs> hell yeah, yes. hell yeah. Our friendship, <laughs> our friendship partially too. Interesting. Being huh. friends with you? Yeah. Well, I just, I like, wow. just like pieces Jeez. of like, I'm this assigned female at birth person, this church culture. There's just lots of factors. Yeah. That, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think, I think, I mean, gosh, it's so fun talking to you guys. But um, uh, just in terms of the character, it's, it's like I, I, I do hope that there's like, like my current full-time job right now is still being a youth pastor and Mason and I are doing this youth group together and it's great. But like, I, 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 I hope I have about five years left of that with me, myself. And I think no small thing in whatever this is represents a potential future vocation where I'm not sort of, at least from my perspective, like inhibited by the boundaries of Christianity. Yeah. So I, I think even looking at my Instagram account, I'm still very much trying to, potentially appeal to a Christian audience of some kind, you know, whereas no small thing, this feels a little bit more free and I'm, and I'm sort of getting out of the character a little bit, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting um, to hear because um, yeah, there's just a way that whether or not you're adapting or playing a character that you always have an awareness of the expectation Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um i think it's 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 always interesting for me to hear this stuff because it shows it illustrates to me in ways that i i'm completely not aware of this um but you know like i've just had so many interactions over the years that i didn't understand why people might have felt disturbed or 
um, you know, just reacted to me in certain ways. And, and I don't know that I assume that people don't do this. Mm. You know, I, I assume that everyone is a self-contained, um, you know, they're just doing their own thing or that you're only doing something because that's really you. Uh, so the idea that, you know, there's these certain expectations that I need to factor in and, and um, you know, what my family thinks of me or what my community thinks of me and all these kinds of things. Yeah, it's, it's really cool to hear this stuff because sometimes I, I just, I don't. <laughs> that, that, it's coming from type, the expectation that you're supposed to be doing X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And just that that's a fact. I mean, you, that you wouldn't even question it on one level, right? That or that just, you have to contend with it, that you have yeah. to contend with the expectation yeah. or you have to navigate and play with it. Yeah. Um, and uh, versus the idea that, that no one has any connection to you, like, like you're just a self-contained entity doing whatever it is you want to do. Right, and maybe, maybe if I ever get in sort of that headspace, it's a five-wing thing, you know, because I can access that, but maybe it's not my main mode of operation, you know. I mean, that's that's kind of what we're getting at is yeah. is that, you know, you're born with this type of structure and you assume that this is the right way. And so a five would, would be, or an eight or a four, any of these hexat types would be framing their childhood, their whole life, you know, just very differently. Yeah. Um, it, it wouldn't... Yeah, I mean, there's multiple different angles to look at it, but that's a big one. Yeah. It's like it's the object relation things of the attachment types are less individuated away from sort of the collective and the family and that whole kind of underlying structure. Yeah, right? like you want yeah. to be a very good dad and husband, and that is like a huge aspect of who you are, and that matters a lot to you. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I think also maybe maybe something I know to be true about sixes that maybe is true for myself is sort of an ambivalent push-pull with that idea yes. of expectations. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. You're not 50, fully 50, on board. 50, 50. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. No, yeah. never fully. No six is fully on board with... With anything. Anything. Hmm. With anything. Hmm. <laughs> that's true. And, uh, uh, yeah. Dang, you guys. This gives me a lot to think about. Yeah. And that's the whole point. It, it's, yeah. you know, like sometimes people get really reactive to typing and we always make sure to tell people, it was like, this is, this, these are insights. Yeah. And, you know, hopefully you get a deeper, you get deeper distinctions that to think about. Because generally you're, when people are approaching the Enneagram, you're deciding on a type based on a certain level mm -hmm. of insight that you have. And, and a typing is not just about the typing, but it's about these distinctions that say, well, I didn't know that six and five were different in these ways. And now I have to go think about that. And I have to take that distinction and observe myself. And so it is a, a way to learn the Enneagram, to get really deep about it. Because if you try to identify what makes a five different from a six, you're going to have a much deeper understanding of the intricacies of those two types. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it gives you more stuff to think about and to really observe. And eventually you get, it, it snaps and you get it. Um, and that's, you know, the process that everyone who knows their type goes through. And even after you know your type, there are levels of, of um, realizing this is how far down the rabbit hole this thing, this type mm -hmm. of mind goes. Um, so, I mean, Mace, even though you know that you're a nine now, it's going to take years of oh, yeah. 
discovering and realizing how deep this shit is for you. Yeah. Yeah. You're saturated. <laughs> Very so much get, so. So we got like uh, five minutes or whatever. Probably like two. Two? <laughs> any, any last deals before we uh, peace out? Because we don't want to like wear y'all out. And Well, let's do this again. I mean, if, whenever you guys are up for it, I think I, I, it's really fun talking to you guys. And, and I think just this final part of the conversation was refreshing because you guys aren't people that walk on eggshells so we're able to get a lot more in, you know, <laughs> uh, well it's, it's like if somebody was approaching me too sensitively you know we wouldn't mm-hmm. really make much headway and and so right. it's right it's it's good and i think i think it's continuing to be good for uh our different audiences just in terms of seeing a different approach mm-hmm. um and that this is possible i it's true. Like, you know, I mean, you guys posted that meme of that uh, woman with the pistol, you know, like <laughs> defending their personality. You know, yeah. that's not going to that's not going to be good for anybody. So no. uh, yeah. this, this is this is really helpful. I really appreciate it. Well, we dig having y'all on or yeah. having, y'all having us on. And yeah, yeah we're, we're down to come on anytime, I think. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's been super fun. Yeah. This is fun. It's interesting and fun. So first time I've done with the video. Cool. This is yeah, no, we're, I, this I first time we did a recording with video. It's so it's look so, at this. Wait, I mean, one question to a finale question is then if let's let's say I'm six, like what would you think my subtypes would be for six? Your fix? Yeah, six. No, no, not try fix. Just like is it a social instincts? Six? Yeah, yeah in- social six. Social, social self press. Social self press six. Okay. Six nine yeah. three. Six, nine, I think it's six nine three, but I mean six wing five. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know about the one. I don't yet. see seven. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, about that, but it's possible. Yeah, I mean, I'm open to I'm open to seven wing, but yeah. generally, I'm, yeah, I'm open, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, very helpful, very very helpful, you guys. Oh man, yeah, this is this, this is, is so fun. fun. I wish we could keep going, but yeah, let's do it again soon. Yeah, let's yeah, do for it. sure. Just, yeah, whenever y'all want. All right, perfect. All right, guys.